Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Put down the water and grab a fucking drink. drink, 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 drink. Welcome to Drinking Bros Podcast. As you know, from time to time, we do some crossover episodes to spotlight our other two shows uh, that we have in conjunction with Drinking Bros. We do it with Ross Patterson Revolution, Wink, that's my show, and what was formerly known as Black Hearted Podcast, which has now been revamped and renamed into Launch Code Podcast. It's, uh, it's an all-business podcast uh, hosted by Evan Hafer. Uh, and Mr. Jared Taylor and uh, and Matt Best. Um, tonight, we're going to spotlight two of the episodes that you might not have heard. And we're going to play them back-to-back for you of, uh, of Launch Code. Um, these were two big shows. And again, since we've changed over the name from Blackhearted to Launch Code, uh, we're going to get you guys up to speed. Uh, tonight's guest will be Jack Osborne uh, and Donnie Vincent. Oh, and by the way, yeah, yes, that's that's Jack Osborne from uh, from the Osbournes. Uh, it's a fun one. He's he's uh, been a good friend of the show and a good friend of uh, Matt's for a long time, and he finally came in, got to sit down with the boys and do an interview. So we're gonna play those two shows for you back to back, and uh, be sure to subscribe to Launch Code Podcast on iTunes and everywhere where podcasts are available. Between Launch Code, Drinking Bros, and Ross Patterson Revolution, we have you covered six shows a week. Drinking Bros runs Monday and Thursday. Ross Patterson Revolution runs Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And Launch Code typically runs every Monday. Um, and we've had some fantastic guests on all of them. And uh, Jared and I are headed out to Los Angeles to get even more huge guests on next week. Uh, but as always, before we get into those, we, we, we got some sponsors who pay for the show to be on the air. First and foremost, uh, you hear them at the top of the show. They're also owned by uh, Evan, Matt, and Jared. Talking about BlackRifleCoffee.com. Black Rifle Coffee is, look, it's the best coffee in the biz. I, I've, I've been a subscriber to their coffee club for a year and a half. Um, even though they're friends, I, I, I obviously pay for it because uh, I'm not a, uh, a loser. I'm not a jerk who's, who's uh, making my friends uh, bag up coffee and ship it to me for free. I buy it. Uh, it's about $4 cheaper than Costco if you're looking at K-Cups and uh, about, about a couple dollars cheaper than the bags at a grocery store. But this just gets delivered to your house um, once you sign up for the club on the same day of the month, every single month, which is, which is awesome. And their blends are amazing. Uh, just Black is my new jam. Uh, that, is, that has been added to my... My uh, my faves, and that gets dropped off at my house. I, I'm a K-Cup guy. I like to get it in me and get out the door. But they got a ton of amazing uh, blends on tap, including a, a new one from Mr. Burt Kuntz called Smoke Hammer, uh, which is awesome. And uh, go to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Type in the promo code DRINKINGBROS, which is good for a, a one-time use. Um, or look, type in revolution. That's also good for a, a one-time use as well. Wink. Just don't tell the, the guys at a uh, black rifle. I told you that, uh, go to blackriflecoffee.com and join the coffee club. Their apparel is amazing as well. Uh, next up we've got strikeforceenergy.com. 
Strikeforce Energy, they're OGs, talking about the boom, boom, talking about throw a little, a couple squirts in your drink, talking about kick the can. Uh, you don't need Red Bull. You don't need Kickstart. You don't need Monster anymore. You, you can get rid of the can altogether. Grab yourself a tasty, tiny little tin pouch full of energy and squeeze it into any liquid available. I'm talking beers, waters, uh, LaCroix, you name it. LaCroix the jam. Uh, that, that's my end-all, be-all fave. But it also goes into wines and beers, and you'll, and you'll never know it. they got four amazing flavors, original, lemon, orange, and make America grape again. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. They also have a subscription of the month club. Use the promo code DRINKINGBROS for 20% off. They ship everywhere in the entire world. Uh, and they got a 750 milliliter bottle that sits on your cou- your 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 countertop or bar top, and you can just pop a couple squirts in, and boom, boom, be on your way. That's StrikeForceEnergy.com promo code Drinking Bros for 20 percent off. Uh, next up, we've got GhostBed.com. Sleep so good, it's scary. I'm look, Matt Bess, I'm coming for you. I uh, I've been working on my ghost impression, and I, I feel like it's getting real strong. Uh, Ghostbread, look, we've we've had them. They've they've been on this show for exactly one year. We all have their mattresses. Now they're stepping up their game even further, which I thought was impossible. And uh, they've got a cooling mattress that is climate controlled, so it is it is cooler. Uh, for those of you who hate sleeping with your ladies who are, who are jacking up the thermostat to to seventy five, uh, this mattress. Is is a few degrees cooler than the rest of the house, and it's it's incredible. They also have this new like uh, Craftmatic adjustable option. Um, the reason why that's so special is it's the same as the bed. They ship it right to your house. Uh, all you have to do is take it out of the box, and it's ready to go. No assembly necessary. Uh, the folks at Ghostbed are just doing it right. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Um, and I believe you get you get fifty dollars off or whatever their new deal is, and they always seem to have a new deal of like a couple hundred dollars off, or I think off the new mattresses it's four hundred dollars off. Uh, and they've also got some pillows, which are amazing. Also, if you leave a uh, a review of the Drinking Bros podcast on iTunes, they're going to be picking one reviewer once a month uh, and give them two free pillows. And uh, if you haven't heard us rave about the pillows, they are the jam. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros and get all your sleeping needs taken care of in one place. They also have a payment plan, so that way you don't have to pay the whole thing up front. You can pay as you go, uh, which is nice. Nobody else is doing that right now. Uh, so it's it's super awesome. Uh, next up, we've got Grill Your Ass Off. Uh, Grill Your Ass Off is, uh, whew, they're new to the show. They're veteran owned. And, and again, uh, huge fan. I, I've, I've been using their seasonings for about a year. And uh, I've been following their Instagram account for about a year as well at, uh, at Grill Your Ass Off. Uh, any seasonings you need for chicken, meats, um, anything across the board, you know, salads, vegetables, they got it there. They've also got some cooking videos. Go to the, go to their cooking videos on YouTube and, and check them out. Uh, and they're like, like I said, their Instagram is, is like meat porn. It's, uh, the, like the best meats in the world, uh, on there. Uh, and it's just, it, it's full of all of their seasonings. So go to grillyourassoff.com, buy their seasonings. They're all veteran owned. Uh, love these guys love their product. And I've, I've been using them forever, and uh, luckily they hit me up one day, and they were like, "Yeah, we listen to Drinking Bros. Can we be on?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, you can. Let's let's do it." 
so it's 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 a, a marriage made in heaven with grillyourassoff.com. Use the promo code Drinking Bros for fifteen percent off there. Next up, we get Sig Sauer. Uh, Sig Sauer is, uh, look, some of the finest firearms in the biz. Uh, they're so good. They don't even have a promo code. They're just like, yo, we think we make the best, the best guns on the planet and we're not giving you a promo code. So, uh, we just like being on the show. We like being associated with it. And, uh, look, Matt's, that's his favorite. That's his brand right now. Um, not saying he won't switch cause you never know. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But uh, SigSauer.com is uh, is where you can find uh, a lot of the guns that uh, Matt and the boys use in all of their videos. Uh, big fans of Sig. Uh, last, but definitely not least, is a new app that is coming to you right in the business. Coming to you right in the, in the mouth hole uh, on March 10th. It's called Caillou. K-A-Y-U. It's uh, started by two... Green Berets out of, uh, they're out of Fort Bragg, which is awesome. And what they've done is they've created uh, a new app that combines uh, lodging, uh, combines Tinder, combines, uh, you know, kind of like orbits, essentially, uh, all rolled into one. Um, so anything you need for 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 traveling, uh, for, for getting together, for hanging, uh, let's say you want to split the cost at a concert. Um, let's say you're going on a hiking trip. Let's say you're going to the Grand Canyon on an expedition, but you know, there's four seats in a helicopter. You only want two and you're looking for somebody else to split it with you. Caillou's got you taken care of. Let's say you're going to the Caribbean or on a cruise. Um, really want to rage it up with people and split the cost. Uh, it's a fun place to meet and greet on March 10th. Go to the Caillou app. Just download it, uh, for free on your phone. No strings attached. It's totally free. And uh, and check it out. Um, they're also going to be rating people too, like on, on your experiences, a lot like Airbnb. Uh, you see what they look like. And uh, look, I'm not saying you could you can hook up with the people, but you can hook up with the people probably. Um, anything's possible in America. Uh, and with that, uh, let's let's dip into to, to launch code. Um, these guys have really been killing it these days, and we're going to give you two of them back to back. Two interviews. The first up is Jack Osborne. The second one is Donnie Vincent. Enjoy. Welcome to Launch Code. A premier business podcast. Starring Evan Hafer, Matt Best, and Jared Taylor. Hey. Welcome back. What episode is this, JT? Uh, this will probably be 54. 54, 55, something yeah. like that. We've got a couple people in the uh, in the house today. So we've got Jack Osborne and Bert from TV. Bert oh. Coons. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, I mean, that's a real introduction. It's a real It's introduction. become a real introduction. I, I, I love it. I'd like to get the tattoo next week. Uh, you know, we're still running the billboard. We're still running the billboard. Is it still that? <laughs> we're yeah, we're just we going to keep firing it back oh, up do it. every couple weeks. This is this should be Jack from Dancing with the Stars then. If that's, <laughs> Did you if do if Dancing going, with the Stars? Yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Are you serious? I can't yes. thud. You got oh third? God. Yes, yes dude. I didn't know that. You're yeah. graceful. I, I, you know what? You can fix anything if you throw enough money at it. <laughs> <laughs> do, you can, do you still dance? Do you dance with Lisa? No. No. Dude, my no. Hell no. I think me and my <laughs> wife have like gone out like from after the from when we met, like going out to like discotheque nightclubs. Um, I've maybe 
gone out to like a place where people dance three times with her. Hmm. Which don't do it. Did you yeah, just say disco? You have like three yeah. kids now. And yeah. All of them are yeah. like below the age of four, three. right? Yeah, we've yeah. got five, two, and one on the okay. way. Yeah. So yeah. Mm. yeah, that with with no, it just yeah. doesn't. It no, just seems like work. an interesting skill to learn that you'd want to, you know, invite me to a wedding, invite me to a wedding, well, because I'm going to steal the show. Here's the thing: you don't <laughs> learn to dance; you just learn choreography. That's it. Oh, so yeah. like, if you were to be like, "Hey, do a thing right now," I'd be like. I don't know. Oh, so you just were fed like you're, a, you're basically like, hey, a, repeat these steps script. and just me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all a script. Well, that disappoints me. <clears throat> so we've got a few topics that we want to cover with you today, but uh, how do we know you? I think that's probably a good question for okay. people in, to 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 <laughs> answer because how in the heck did you did you wind up in our studio? Uh, which is basically through a combination of people because JT knew you. Uh, I think through Tyler, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we had Tyler Gray on the show last week, and now we've had Bert on the show. He was on the show last week as well. Uh, but Bert was friends with you. Tyler's friends with you. Yeah. Uh, how do you know those guys? Tyler so, Gray and Bert Coons. So I met um, Tyler Gray uh, at a gun range. Imagine yeah, that. Imagine we had a, a mutual friend. We all went shooting. Um, and quickly realized i was like whoa this guy's a nerd like me and so we became like nerd friends and uh we would like talk star wars and video games and guns um and then about probably a year and a half later tyler (laughs) we moved in together uh, oh, that was fast. Wow. Tyler was my Cato Kalen. He lived in yeah. my guest house. Hell yeah. Um, for about a, uh, probably close to a year. Um, and yeah, we would like just, you know, bro out video games, guns, action figures. Just, it was pretty nerdy. Um, and, uh, I one time I was doing this like event challenge thing, right. and I was like, "Hey Tyler, come do it with me." And he was like, "All right, whatever." And so he came and did it. I, I'm, I, I will say it because it's yeah, part yeah, of our story. Yeah, yeah. Um, we would uh, it was a go ruck, right? And from that, um, about a year after doing it, I was like, "Hey Tyler, you should go be one of the cadre there. Like, why, it's a good way to travel, and you literally get paid to travel at well at face value." Right. Um, so he was like, oh, "All right," and then he decided to do it and through um working at go ruck him and bert um met became lovers yes yes um, tyler and i did not move in together though. no they Tyler's did not not clean enough to live <laughs> i've got a really funny ad to this intersection once once we get to us okay um <laughs> and then from that but um became like a but and tyler both became in the go ruck community like pretty big deals they were like the sought after cadre for the events because they really you know put the hurting on folks right um and uh yeah Bert and i became friends to tyler and then Bert came and worked on the show i do ozzy and jack's world detour and then through just the then i randomly met matt best through um some friends, where they just right. kind of connected us, like over the internet. I think it was like some dating app we met on. Oh uh, yeah, Grinder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we were friends, and then Tyler, and then I was like, oh, Matt, you got to meet Tyler. Just like you know, right. connecting people, and then uh, we, I, well, I met you at Evan. I met you at Shot Show last year. I don't yep. know. It was just kind of weird. So you introduced Tyler to Matt. I, Tyler, they already know each other. They'd or no, Matt has like, oh, I'd heard of Tyler. I've heard of Tyler. Yeah, yeah. 
um, we've just never met. And I was like, oh, you guys got to link up. And then ran, and then they ended up, you know, not, you know, through me meeting up. Um, and then, yeah, then when did I meet you, so, JT? Okay, I met so you. going back, we're almost four years ago, too. So um, I had somebody in the in the gun community that kept bringing your name up. You have to meet Jack. You have to meet Jack. And they were you know, kept telling me they were like your best friend and everything. It's a like, salient guy. I was right? like, no, no, um, they're not around anymore. Sorry. So, uh, <laughs> they, I was like, yeah, well, yes, I want to, I want to, I want to. And then, and then I was in LA, Matt and I were both in LA oh, for a right. pre-production thing. Yeah. And I called Tyler and I was like, Hey, can you reach out to Jack? Because I know you guys are close. Tell me and Matt are here and let's do lunch. And we yeah. met for those tacos. Yeah, we did. And then, and then we went on that news. There was like we, a news There thing. was a Mexican news channel doing a story there. We all got interviewed for it. And then we, we defaced a Justin Bieber billboard. Yeah. Um, I forgot about and, that. Uh, and then Matt got sick and I had to give him meds. That was the next time we oh, went to man. L.A. Because that, that, that was kind of like the... The nail inside of it, because yeah. you know, you you were like, "Oh, you're sick here. Let me help you out." And then it's like, "Man, Jack is a really cool guy." <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I throw out that dude's name that kept telling me that he was going to link us up. You're like, "I don't know that person." <laughs> oh, seriously? <laughs> That's funny. yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> I, I keep thinking like we're going to get, you know, like, "Oh man, I'm super excited. This is going to be cool." And then, you know, I met Tyler through through airsoft people in California. Okay. Like, yeah. Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Andrew Ho. Yeah. Andrew Ho. <laughs> Dude, Andrew Ho, good good people. Uh, he has he everybody is. he has ever linked me up with has been yeah, pretty solid. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's a solid guy. Yeah. The funny thing is when Tyler and I met, we started talking. We're like, oh yeah, we're both in the same reserve police department. Oh, in New Mexico. Yep. Like, oh, hey, look at that mm-hmm. small world. Yeah, now there's another super famous guy who's on that department as well. I know. <laughs> like, likes to, likes to try to get, get <laughs> rifles, <laughs> rifles from people uh, during the middle <laughs> during, during active shooter incidents. Yeah. Uh, uh, hey, uh, dude, you need to put your you need to put your partner in check, bro. I know. Well, <laughs> I mean. Uh-huh. I did on this podcast. I think no, not on this one. It was a drinking bros. bros. It was a drinking I, I bros. called him a buffoon. Yeah, mm. he is. He's a buffoon. But neither, neither there. Yeah. neither here yeah. nor there. Moving along. What are we gonna? What are we gonna talk about? JT specifically. Uh, I'm, I want to. I think we want to. We want to focus on essentially the the gap transition between when the Osbournes kind of ended mm-hmm. and when you decided. You know what? I'm going to do business mm-hmm. and I'm going to do my own things. And we want to hear that story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the Osbournes went off the air. Well, I guess we stopped filming in like 2004. Wow. Um, Yeah, it was only on for a short period. Um, And I started doing a lot of work in England. Just that's just being where we were from. And we had a lot of kind of my family had a lot of like business infrastructure there from my mom running management companies and stuff. Um, And... I got approached to go on this trip to Slovenia to go rock climbing. At the time, I was, like, newly sober. I was not any kind of athletic person. I was probably, like, 230 pounds, like, not very agile. And I was like, oh, whatever. So It'll like be fun. GT. Yeah. I mean, hey. not, not too far from where I am now. <laughs> um, and so I went on this rock climbing trip, and I really was like, oh, it was, like, the first time doing anything real outdoors for me. Um, you know, growing up on the mean streets of Beverly Hills, you don't really have, you know, <laughs> the kind of, you know, outdoors was the outdoor mall in Century City. Right. Um, so kind of to really took to doing adventurous stuff. 
And um, through doing this little TV project, it was like a one-off episode, I'm, I became good friends with the production team. And one of the guys on it, a guy named Mike Weeks, who's one of my best friends, he's like, hey, I got this idea. Why don't we train and I'll train you because he was a professional rock climber. He's like, and we'll take you up El Cap uh, in Yosemite. He's like, you, you can climb that. He's like, two years of training and we'll, you know, you'll be able to climb that thing. And I was like, I'm in. And we ended up selling a TV show off of that called Adrenaline Junkie. <laughs> um, so I went from doing the Osbournes to rolling right into doing a show called Adrenaline Junkie, which the first season aired here, but it was everywhere else in the world but America. It was too positive at the time. Reality TV was all like wine in the face and like yeah, drama, you know, drama, fighting, whatever. And mine was, like, mine was like, hey, do something healthy Let's and inspirational fun. and fun. And, and America was like, no, we don't do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so I did that show for five years. I went literally everywhere. Um, I kind of like to say it was like all my friends went off to university and I just, I filled up two passports. Um, and it was basically the biggest scam of a job I've ever pulled off. <laughs> I literally convinced a TV network for five years. To just to, let you go do fun <laughs> shit. To pay me to go do fun shit with my closest friends and yeah, and film it. It was great. <laughs> That's actually what that show because I, I saw a few episodes mm -hmm. and it really did look exactly what you just described. Yes. I was like this is fucking great. <laughs> great good god what are they <laughs> you know how you see all these like asshole instagrammers like look here's me in belize and here's yeah. me in like puerto rico and you know caribbean or whatever i was doing that before instagram existed right. <laughs> on someone else's dime That's like I, I maintain i'm like the original instagram traveler yeah agreed <laughs> I think, yeah. I think you got that title. Um, so I did that. And then through doing this, and it was a real small production, I started learning about, okay, production idea, you know, just the whole, the, the background of TV. Because when we were doing the Osbournes, we didn't see much of it. Um, and then I realized that, well, it's all good and well to be on a TV show, but you really have no power. You're kind of told, all right, go there, do this, do that. Do, you know, like you're getting paid really well, but like I'm kind of a control freak. So I was like, screw it. I want to actually you know i've been around this for like at this point it'd been like seven or eight years i was like i know the landscape and uh i was like cool i'm gonna start my own production company and um kind of just went from there so from that you know i, I went to producing tv shows and, and what was so as you developed your first production company what was your first pitch and what was what was that like going in like when you were like okay this is finally my ideas. Yeah. It's my stuff. What was the first, who was the first meeting that, that, that took you? So one of the first things I decided I wanted to do was, I, it was actually a show I, I called Full Metal Jack. And I had, the, I had uh, permission from the United States Marine Corps to go do an embed um, in Afghanistan for three months with uh, a Marine unit. And um, they were like, yeah, you can totally come do this and, like, do, you know, whatever. And no network would buy it. They said it was too dangerous. <laughs> really? Yeah, because it was like. That would be amazing. Dude, I was like, all, I'm like, I'm in. Let's do this. Um, and it was right on the, like, it was during, like, when, like, Hellman was really bad and, you know, Camp Leatherneck <laughs> was, like, getting hammered and all that. And so I was like, that's where I want to go. And the Marines were like, cool, come along. Just don't die. Um <laughs> So, yeah, no network. That was, like, the first thing I went out with. And then um, – but that wasn't as my own freestanding company. Um, the first show I actually sold was called Alpha Dogs, and it was on Nat Geo. And me and uh, my then business partners just went out to Indiana to film this uh, 
military canine training school. And we came back and we put the sizzle together and we saw like 16 episodes instantly. We were like, uh, what do we do now? (laughs) (laughs) It's like the best quality problem ever. Um, and that's kind of how I started, you know, being a legitimate TV producer versus like every other, you know, as I like to call producer, 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 producer. Because you're a yeah. douche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there a lot of them? I, I don't oh, know. there's so many producers in LA. Really? Oh, I can imagine. It's littered. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine how many people are just like, yeah, I'm a producer. Like yeah. they're just using that as a pickup. How line. many? How many people are using stolen ideas that they took from somebody below them? And- oh, everything's a stolen <laughs> yeah. idea. There's no original ideas. Me, for a while, that this guy I knew had this whole gag about original ideas and he was like there's no original ideas left until he found one and do you want to know what it was he said it was the most original thing he's ever seen it was a a porno where a man and woman were walking through a forest they shoot a bear out of a tree and yes, pre- it's called Shake That Bear. Yes, yeah. and proceed <laughs> and proceed to fornicate on the carcass of yeah. a dead bear. It used to be ShakeThatBear.com. Okay. Why, why, why did you, you, you know do this? Know, why him and I know the most about the internet. Yes, we, we spend, but yeah, it's okay, incredible. Not that I condone that behavior by any means, but it is original. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I mean, they even came up with a name for it. Like, yeah. You do know that, right? Like, we have gone toe-to-toe for internet depth. Yeah, I can't imagine. We get it gets dark. I mean, throw I said, Tyler, I, throw Tyler Gray in there as well, and that's a, a trifecta of weird knowledge about the internet and television. I sent him the three. Have you seen the three hundred pound leg break yet? Oh God, the no. three hundred pound leg break. Yeah, no, I gotta hear this. It's this guy who's I guess like Steve-O's taking him under his wing. He's like some oh, new, yeah, he's like yeah, a big I guy. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, and he goes to do like a skate trick and lands it wrong and snaps his leg, oh, but God. like a full tib fib snap, oh. and it's like noodle foot. Oh, those are the God. worst. Oh, noodle foot. <laughs> so right now, as it stands, uh, how many shows have you done? So, so TV right now is a really interesting. By interesting, I mean depressing landscape. Um, <laughs> Has it ever been not? Depressing? There was there was kind of really? a golden era, especially for what I do. Was okay. basically reality TV. Right. There was a golden era, and it was right. that kind of window post Osborne's, probably till about it was like a four year window, and it started going down after the financial crash in two thousand eight. Right. And, then, and then we have a, a staple in this year too. Now, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so. That was when, like, networks were, like, throwing money at reality shows, and, you know, you could do a half-hour reality show and get 500K, which was amazing. I mean, you're lucky to get 500K to do an hour-long episode now. Um, And so we kind of came in right at the end of when they were letting boutique, small production companies produce TV shows. The way it works is that if you're, like, a, you know, a small production company, you never really – you don't have any – um, I guess track record with a network, they won't let you produce a show yourself. You have to partner with like a major um, production company. And so we were very fortunate to be in that last little slither when my old company was called Sweet Entertainment. Um, so we did, we did shows for, we did pilots for, C, uh, did a pilot for CBS, MTV, um, E, VH. I mean, we did pretty much everyone we produced something for, um, whether it was a pilot or a series. Um, I ended up um, getting uh, ha- having irreconcilable differences with my business partners, 
and shutting that back. Happens. That happens. That happens. We, we talked about it on the episode that yeah. I was on. We talked about it. Legitimately, is a divorce. Yeah, yeah it is. It's, it's worse. Hard. Yeah, because it's like, well, at least you know. I, I mean, at least my divorce doesn't. Well, if you're unless you're working with your wife, but you know, it's like that's my work now. Yeah. I, like, what do I do? Well, anybody right. that works with their wife is not very smart in the first. Place. <laughs> oh, is that so? Really? Tell Wait. us about that. Yeah, yeah. Tell Wait. us more about that. Wait, is Canada's about to come in here and beat you? No. Probably. <laughs> but did you slip in the shower today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bert's always coming in. Like I fell down the stairs again. I'm like, yeah. there's no I'm stairs. I'm so in your house, clumsy. Yeah. There's no I'm stairs. So in the house, fridge. Bert. The fridge door hit me in the face. Yeah. So cool. I mean, uh, drop the soap. Candace oh. runs shakethatbutt.com. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that might make some money. So, so how about this? Like, um, the landscape has changed drastically now yes. in L.A. And for anybody that's attempting to get a career in the entertainment industry here, I've been telling people, stop going to L.A. It's dead. Like, it's, it's, that dream is, is over where you think you're going to move out there and you're going to audition and you're going to get these parts and you're going to work your way up. Like, yeah. Don't go to L.A. It, you know, honestly, the best thing you can do, and I, and I tell people, especially if they want to go down the acting route or the producing route, go to college and get a degree in it. You, there are so many people in L.A. that like come out, oh, I want to be an actor, and they're like, well, where did you study? Well, no, I didn't. I just moved out here to become an actor. It's really hard, but if you got some in already in the acting community because you went to some art you know, yes. liberal arts school or whatever, and, and you have the experience of acting, you, 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 ha you know how to uh, basically involve yourself into a community. And that's the biggest thing. It's like, all right, cool. Hey, get in this community. Hey, my sister's a casting agent. They're doing an open casting for a thing, you know, whatever. And it's just little, little baby steps. I've also noticed, though, is the people that are in L.A. trying to do that, are the worst networkers I've ever met in my life. <laughs> like, they, they are horrible. Well, like, legitimately, when I look at what you guys did with Range 15, you've got people in L.A. who have been in L.A. for 20 years and did not accomplish what you guys accomplished. It's like, it's no small feat. And it's really like, I mean, when, you know, when we first, you know, kind of really started talking and connecting, I told you this, it's... It, like, you guys had the ability to do what a lot of people can't figure out. And it was, came up with a script you liked, you hired the right people, and you got it funded. And that's, I mean, it's really hard to do in L.A., let alone when you guys were in where, like El Paso. And yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> you guys should start the El Paso Film Fund as a result of that. You do like one movie a year. Great. One movie a year from El Paso. Um, so as... As everything's kind of changing right now, you've got Netflix, you've got Amazon, you've got yeah. all these different mediums that are kind of, I guess, the same medium, but different channels that are going to be popping Verticals, up. yeah. What are, you, what are you predicting for the future? Because the joke is, right, that, like, you could... W w South Park did a whole thing on it where... Netflix just has a bunch of people that just clear everything green light, like everything's green light. <laughs> what? You're 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 a four year old and you're having a hard time brushing your teeth? Green light, green light, <laughs> green light. Green light. And it's like and it's like everything's being green lit yep. on Netflix. So here's the thing with Netflix because I've I've gone and I've pitched to Netflix. When you walk in the, the door at Netflix, you have to have everything done already. They don't okay. want to spend any time developing or like it's like. They, you have to go in there with what every episode's going to look like. You'd be like, here's the producers, here's the cast, here's the sh like, and if it's scripted, it's everything's got got to be done. And then they just go, cool, green light. 
uh, if they like it, obviously. Right. Like, if you go there with anything that's even remotely like needs some building out, or they just they won't even look at it. Hmm. Um, but I personally, to answer your question, I think that everything TV related is gonna just go a la carte. It's gonna go. You know, you're not gonna have constant streaming TV anymore. Um, right. Yeah. Because it t- well, it's it's consuming fifty percent of our bandwidth. Right. And people want faster internet, and it can't really get any faster because, because you've got TV. Because you've got TV, and that's just sucking up bands. Fifty percent. Yeah. <laughs> and no, and no one is watching TV like they used to. Yeah. You know, a big rating for um, like broadcast network television is like three two, million. Yeah, to three. Oh, if you got a three million episode. Woof. What does huge. that mean? Eyes. Though? That means eyeballs. TVs. Three million eyeballs. Tuning in. Yeah. Tuning is, in to is, that episode. Yes. Is okay. is awesome. Ten years ago. 12 million was like the standard like really? hey you've got a hit show with like wow awesome you know even and it even you can even see it with like big sporting events mm. um you know with like um uh, the super bowl yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I, I was reading about that yesterday the nfl the ratings are declined but everybody's everybody's trying to throw that it's because of trump and what's going on with the nfl it's not it's no. the real root cause of it is exactly people are watching people are on their phones hbo yeah. go or yeah. watching watching yeah. netflix or watching other yeah, but programming that makes sense to me because ultimately like i've never understood this anyway so i pay for cable right mm-hmm. everybody does and then you still get commercials which would just piss you off yeah right and so it's like so i'm going to pay you a couple hundred bucks a month for, for this TV, other people to pay you and, to advertise for, towards yeah, for, me. but this is fucking crazy. So basically, I think society should have a big middle finger and say "fuck you." Yeah, because if you want me to pay five hundred bucks a month, great. I don't want commercials. Right. Like yeah. I don't want to see the mattress guy fucking with a crown on his head dancing around <laughs> like a fucking idiot. Like the commercials I don't are just see horrible that. now. So I blame this on the TV industry because yeah. they've ultimately not adapted to what people are like. Hey, we don't want commercials. No, like. How many times do you have to hear this from But that's society? what TV is. But TV, that's what it is. TV what literally is? was created to sell shit. But if they were like, oh my gosh, we can just sell fucking TV at a higher price to the people that want to watch it. I would pay for that. Fuck yeah. Well, that's like the radio. I pay for Pandora now, the 12 bucks a month. Absolutely. I, I, haven't heard a, I haven't listened to a regular radio station in probably a year now, yeah. and I probably never will again. I, I do it I, in everything. Oh, so the YouTube premium, yeah. no commercials. Mm-hmm. The uh, what Spotify no commercials like yeah. I do everything because, yeah. and I'm an ad guy so like for me I mean when I say that like I'm a marketing guy I've, I actually watch commercials I like watching them mm-hmm. yeah but when they're just shit on local television and they're too much yeah. they're too much there's six there's like what's that five commercial breaks yeah. on an hour long show yeah. or maybe more. Like screw that! Oh yeah, well, when when I watched Jersey the, com- the other day. Yeah, just, so it was like, oh, oh god, ads. These yeah. suck. They're well, fucking horrible. And the commercials you guys do, though, like Black Rifle does on the internet, are much more entertaining because you have control of it. There's not, it's not watered down. So when I see commercials on the internet now, those are great. But you, then you go back and watch TV well, in the hotel room, like Candace and I were in Wyoming in the hotel room and watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, and it was like an hour long show with. Commercial after commercial yeah. after commercial. I ended up turning it off and bought it on my computer yes. on HBO Go because I was exactly. He, I'm, he I'm knows this. this the best too. Is the reason why these are so watered down and just shit is because there's 15 people in the chain from idea to oh, yeah. to finished product that aren't necessarily basing their input or or changes off of 
anything real. The only They're thing, just saying things to be involved in this process. Yeah. And, it, and, and we've huge, accepted that as it. As a, and a huge part of creatives and shows are being determined by the kind of eyeballs the advertisers are paying for. So say, um, you know, you can always tell the, the, who's watching what channel by the commercials. Yeah. You go to Nickelodeon, yeah. you're going to see kids' toys, and you're not going to see a car and, commercial. And, and mothers and, and, and freaking dish soap yeah, and exactly. stuff like that. So, it, so they are, are governed by the consumer. And so it's right. really strange because well, you'll be like, oh, you know, um, you can't show a Chevy pickup truck in this show because Ford buys all of our advertising, advertising yeah. so you can't show that. And so, oh, well, that big story we had about our cost getting all Chevy trucks donated from a local dealership that had, you know, whatever reason for the reality, you know, the real reality idea goes out the window. So it's really um, well. YouTube's a, a perfect, perfect example now. You know what they've d- done recently? Oh, modified their whole. Mm-hmm. They're modifying their whole platform to be kid friendly. Yeah, because advertisers and that's who's dictated. and that's who's spending the most time on YouTube is kids. You give a kid an really? iPhone. Yep, you oh. give a kid an iPhone, and well, and and that's who's consuming most um, streaming networks. That's why HBO bought Sesame Street. That's why, you know, you're getting all these, you know, Disney is now taking everything off of streaming networks and Disney's finally creating their own streaming app. Hmm. And so you, because you, you put a tablet in front of a kid and they'll sit there for 15 Days. years. Yeah. Right. Um, Charlotte calls God. YouTube toy music. Thank toy music? Yeah. <laughs> I want to watch my toy music. That's YouTube. I don't yeah. know where she came up with that. Yeah. but Dude, my kid knows she'll, everything she'll, about these toys and I'm like. She knows how to find it. Yeah. Like, and, and she'll watch Somebody unboxing a toy yep. for hours. Mm-hmm. So I cut all that shit out. Yeah. Like that's why I don't have... Do you do the wooden toy thing? You only let your kids yeah, play do. wooden toys? Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's Evan, Evan buys his daughter chickens and animals and... Yeah. Bo- well, I mean, she goes to a Waldorf school, so she's yeah. like totally like wooden toys and plates. They only, and they only, Waldorf is like, isn't that like only 30 T-set. minutes of screen time a week kind of thing? Yeah. 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 We keep her to like literally an hour of, t- yeah. hour of TV a, a week. So basically my wife is fucking going crazy like because she's got chi- children. It's tough because it's, it's such tough. an easy pacifier, you know? It is. Yeah. And on a plane, shh, dude, if oh, yeah, no- we have to, yeah. we, we make that exception like, like- when they're traveling. <laughs> Or that kid would fucking drive you like yeah. you would off yourself. I'd throw myself off a fucking cliff. <laughs> <laughs> That's so like, cute until you put them on an airplane and you're like, oh. Or put them in the back seat for seven hours and uh. you're like, is there a backpack back seat? Can, Can I we put, put them the in the trunk? Divider? <laughs> yeah. Is, there, is it legal to put my kid in the trunk? I don't know. <laughs> it's, you buy a limo just for that, just yeah, to have, just the, to have the, the divider. And the divider. There you go. <laughs> so. So going back to like the future of television, the future of production, mm-hmm. like in your mind, like how how are you going to sell shows? Like so how, how is this going to happen? You're seeing a lot more of it where brands are coming in and brands are. But there, there's a I, okay. Let me break this up. There's a, there's a buyback model where okay. independent people will just go and finance and produce their own show, and they will go to a network and be like. Here. It's done. It's done. Give right. me a slot and we will share the ad sales. Got it. Um, which is becoming a um, Discovery Networks does a lot of that. Hmm. So if you're ever on like Discovery Channel, it's like, you know, Tuesday at 11 o'clock and there's a new show on you've never seen or you didn't see much advertising for whatever, chances are to buy back. 
Mm. Um, and a lot of times they're actually really good. Yeah. Um, cause they're out of that, that process. Yeah. They yeah. haven't, they haven't been overly produced by 15 producers and whatever. We're really lucky, um, with world detour, you know, our, and I'm not just saying this, like A&E have been unbelievably awesome with, you know, not overproducing, not getting, not sticking their fingers in the pie too much. And, and, you know, they're like, well, you guys are out there. You guys know what you're doing. Just, you know, we like what we like and we don't like what we don't like. And it's, they have, they're really simple about giving you those answers. When you guys are lucky too, you have Greg Johnson yeah. and Bill, like those guys are. Yeah, our producers are like the best in the phenomenal business. Phenomenal human beings, let alone producers. Yeah. Um, so you got the buyback model. You have the brands coming in and co-financing mm-hmm. with networks and doing brand integration or whatever. Right. Like, you know, you have to It works see, better than advertising. Yeah. It's like drinking a Coke or like, hey, check hey, we got a new you know, a new golf card and they're like doing something with it. Like it's right. it, it's a good way to engage. Um the viewer to be like, oh, that's cool. I like that. I might go buy that. Um, and then there's the traditional model of you go to a network with an idea and you sell it to them and they own it forever and eternity. And that's another thing. Networks have completely stripped out the back end of um, of TV shows for producers. It is, and I, you know, I say to my wife, it will pretty much be next to impossible. In, not in, in, unless I were to create the next survivor, it would be next to impossible to legitimately retire making TV. Wow. It's just, you know, the, the cost of, well, the cost of living in LA is yeah. not cheap. Um, and then you add in the fact that, all right, you're given, a, you know, an X amount, a small portion of the budget as your talent fees, but then you got to split that with lawyers and agents and other producers you're working with. And the, you'll never see any back end. So it's really kind of strange you know i was i was talking to someone over at cbs the other day and um we were just kind of talking about the climate of tv and at the end of it it was like just go into doing try and get into movies because even though it's not amazing it's still better than tv as far as there's the the constant residuals as it just lives forever yeah 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 interesting Yeah. yeah So shift the the focus from TV just to movies. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we've got I have a couple movie projects that are in very early development, and right. I've kind of just been. Yeah, I was going to say, does that interest you at all? I, I would love to. I would love to because it's the same amount of work, to be honest with you. Right. Do you ever get asked to be like cameo in movies, like early uh, on, on a regular basis? Not anymore. Really? Yeah, early on, I did. Um, yeah, I was. <laughs> I was in a Mary Kate and Ashley movie. Oh, sweet! Yes. Saved oh. by the Bell. Do you have? Uh, you no, Saved no, by the Bell. No, I was in um, uh, that '70s show. <laughs> you were really? Yeah, yeah I was in. I was in an episode funny. of that '70s show. I was in Dawson's Creek. I was like a wow, reoccurring character in Dawson's yeah. Creek. Serious? <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm a motherfucking actor. Wow. <laughs> How was Ashton Kutcher? Um, he wasn't in my scene. Oh, I did it with. Uh, I did it with uh, Danny Masterson. Oh, okay. And um, uh, who else was there? Remember Danny? It was just a, it was like at the DMV. It was like this short little thing. I've got to ask about the uh, so with with the Weinstein stuff happening mm-hmm. and like the exposure. <laughs> yeah. I've got to ask. I got to ask a question. I mean, yeah. you're, you live it. You live in that environment. Sure. I mean, was this a surprise? Was this like a secret? Well, it was an open secret or every listen. I I don't. I you know I've never had direct business with him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I, I so you've I, never been in a hotel with him. He's blocked the door. <laughs> no, no one's ever asked him. <laughs> <got a> little... <laughs> no, no. Um, check your insides. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where it has gone on in Hollywood right. since the dawn of Hollywood. Since right. it started. And so it, I'm not necessarily surprised that I'm not surprised by any of these allegations at all. I'm surprised it's taken as long as it uh, has yeah. for people to go, hey, you know what? There's an endemic problem in this business and it it is real now i'm not saying that um you know that it's there's you know hollywood is full of these crazy sexual predators running around like rampant like it's you know you know rome in you know before the fall but um it's uh, you know there are people that do very much take advantage of their position right you know and i think that's i think that's what's really coming to light like you had louis ck said it best you know like Right? Remember you were reading? Yeah, exactly. He's, he's he was like, like yeah. dude, I didn't, you know, I guess I was just so excited that I had become famous. I didn't think that me, you know, taking on advances from women was bad. He's like, I was just excited I was getting them. Like, if I take my dick out and you decide to suck it, like, is that me being an asshole or is it just me being a dude? And, and, and <laughs> like, I'll tell you that's what. That's basically is... what he said. Yeah. And he's like, now I understand. Like, I'm in a position of authority and I was a... Star, yeah. but at the time of transition, like that was his point. It was like, just I'm just a regular dude that's yeah. been working his ass off on stage with like yeah. a couple hundred people every year. I don't even think of myself as important. So, and I'm, that's, and I think that's what um, is is really kind of crazy because you have a lot of people in in LA really now questioning their behavior, right? And even more so, like, whoa, like what, like, was that above board? What I did? I I don't know. Like I uh, just conversations with colleagues, everyone's just walking around. Like, is someone going to come out and say, you know, you abused your power and I was victimized and there's nothing you can do about it, you know? And it's, and I'm not condoning any, I'm not condoning any Mm. of that action, but it's very strange. Like, well, you know, I was at rap parties on shows years and years and years ago, and you know I may have hooked up with someone who was on that show yeah, as a, just, you know <laughs> in, in a you know pro, you know in an administrative role on the yeah. show. Like, d- is that me abusing power, or is that just, just people at a rap adults. party, two adults like hooking up at a party? Like, it's it's really um, and it, and it's kind of baking everyone's noodle because everyone's super vigilant now of their actions. Well, and it's super subjective. So it's like, so it's based on the person's perspective and whether or not they feel that they're in a position of authority over that other person, yeah. especially if they're not in a, like a, in an, a definitive chain of command and like a relationship as far as like employer employee, Yeah, that's really subjective, man. And, and that's the thing that's scary about some of this where it's like, okay, so what's the, what's the difference between a guy, I guess, and we're all guys sitting here going, you know, if JT's single and he hits on somebody you know, he's got Drinking Bros, the podcast. It's downloaded, you know, a couple million times a month. And now is he taking advantage of his position, basically, yeah. as a celebrity, even though he doesn't think of himself as a celebrity, even though he doesn't live like a celebrity, even though, like, there's a multitude of different factors there. Yeah. They're like, he's just a dude trying to get laid like every other dude. Has done and, since the yeah, dawn of time. time. <laughs> and then now all of a sudden, like, getting laid is basically going to be... Villainized, and and I think that's the the new algorithm. It's like, well, how do you figure out? Because what? like you're saying, though, a production supervisor or somebody in a supervisory role on a production that is hitting on one of the girls working for that production versus the talent who 
May is not in the chain of command at all. You mm. were hired to just be there yeah. and be on camera. But does does this person think you're more of an authority figure because of your name yeah. and 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 the fame behind it, rather than than the person that actually has the authority over? Are you going to work yeah. again? Yeah, like, but it, it's not. But here's the thing, though. Like that scenario now, you're going to start seeing. You're already seeing like other businesses. People are coming out like, oh, he was a department head on another, you know, and we had a relationship, and it's, and I feel, you know, he asserted his power. It's, it's a really, it's a very strange um, line, and and I think that the kind of well, sexual some harassment, of it an, some of it is, it is probably an attention grab. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. I think after the first big ones hit. This became a, a, a something in the back of people's mind that have may have you know their fifteen minutes yeah. was over. How do I get back in the press? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna whistle blow on somebody. Listen, there's a, I, in my mind, there's a very clear distinction between sexual abuse and sexual harassment. Sexual harassment is, hey, I like your dress. That can be misconstrued as sexual harassment. Right. Sexual abuse, and I mean, I think we all have an idea right. of, but you know, once again, here's the thing: we are for you know, men, what, you know, four white men sat around talking about this <laughs> and let's be honest, you know, we are considered the lowest of low on the kind of yeah, social yeah. justice totem pole. Nobody gives a fuck what we no. got to say, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, they, be, but they, people will be like, Oh, those assholes. And, yeah. but it's his, it's a very strange time. I talk to, you know, people I work with in different, you know, uh, fields and everyone's just like, Oh man, I, you know, people are walking around like waiting for it and the other shoe to drop. Well, it's insane. I mean, as a as a as an employer, you know, yeah, as an employer, you know, I've never done anything like even that could be considered like inappropriate. But to I've me, always, you have. Well, yeah, because he's a partner. I don't give a fuck about him. <laughs> 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 You're, you know, I won't even like. Literally, I w- I will not even like go into a room if there's like just a, one person. Yeah. If there's one person in it, I turn around and walk right back out. Yeah, because. That's the condition that, that yeah. we live in. hundred percent. Like, you can't leave anything up to interpretation. Yeah. There always has to be witnesses. There always has to be this direct professional communication. And the thing of it is, is that's that's not right actually, no. because it's 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 not natural human condition. Yeah. Like the human condition is like, hey, how are you? How are you today? Yeah. Blah blah blah. Let let's have a conversation. Uh, but now you have to protect yourself, especially if you own a company. You have to protect yourself, like. Down the line, yeah. And if and then, you and, do anything, well, and, and history dictates that people are going to be so overprotective with this now that it's actually going to have a counter. It will. It's going to be counterproductive for certain females. They're not going to get hired because people are going to go, nope, don't don't want any trouble with that. I'm yeah, just going to fix it by by, by hiring female executives because I I probably nobody can fuck with them. Someone yeah. will probably try and sue me for saying this, but I will not hire a female personal assistant. No, me either. Just I won't either. do it. I said the same thing. Yeah. Won't do it. It's just, just too. It's they too big of a liability. It's, yeah. it's too could be, of a job. Yeah, they could like, be the most qualified woman under mm-hmm. the sun and perfect for the fit. And I'm sorry, I, I just I won't do it. If, if they do, they have to be 50 years old and have like four kids for me. And like you know, like there's absolutely no way in hell anything yeah. could inappropriate. But at the end of the day, like you still have to protect your companies yeah. against, and, and it does. It becomes not about the most qualified person for the job. It yeah. becomes about protecting the company, making sure that you're not setting yourself up for liability. Mm-hmm. And 
wow, talk about a, a fucking lack of optimization. Like there's a, yeah. there's yeah. a huge loss. And so like, as, as society, we should really take a look at this and say, yeah. like, is this, and even, is this the way we want to function? And we're even, you know, we're talking about season three of the show I do with my dad right. and we're all having discussions. Well, we should, you know, is there a combat? Is it, you know, are we moving to a straight male only production? Right. You know, and I mean, but you can't do that. You can't. You can't. Yeah, but yeah. it's, it. you know, I'm not going to lie. As an executive on the show, we've had that discussion of like, right. hey, listen, it's a, you know, it's men and women. We travel all over the world together. We're in, you know, this, that, and the in, other. In cool places. In cool so places. there's drinking. Cool yes. Tight there's, quarters. There's, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. there's stress. There's drinking. There's in a, in a vehicle together for long periods of time, different, you know, men and and it's just it's things now that we have to really take on board. And I think going forward, I think what we're going to have to mandate on just my own production is that we are going to create a kind of standard operating procedure. This is how, this is the expectations of the interaction between the staff and the production. And anything above, outside of this perimeter is going to, we're going to, it's not tolerated. You're going to have to be terminated. And I think that's what has to happen. Well, and even then, like even wrongful termination and even the perceived, like now, now you're getting into a whole other level where it's like you're as an employer, you are going to be in a fucking prison. Yeah. You can't fire anybody. There's no way that you can terminate them. Like, and God forbid you fire a millennial. Well, yeah. If you fire (laughs) a millennial, it's like, Hey man, that you, you know, you're for sexual harassment or whatever. It's like, I didn't sexual harass anybody. I feel like I'm being harassed. Like yep. that's the way it's going to be. Yep. That's the way it's going to be articulated. Yep. And those are the lawsuits. As an employer, there's going to be such a lack of optimization here. Like I was reading a story about um, uh, George Bush Sr. He's, he's 93 years old. He's confined to a wheelchair. And there's an actress that came out and said that he groped, groped her. Yeah. Well, okay, dude. He's 93 years old. He's confined to a wheelchair. He's been hospitalized like three times over the last year, right? Do you like at the end of the day, like, is that really a sexual advancement? Like, and I'm not defending a 93 year old man, but like when you're sitting in a wheelchair and you go to take a picture with somebody, is that an inappropriate arm what bump? Was it? What was it? He said, he, like, he said something along with him placing his hand upon her buttocks. Did he? Yeah. It was some creepy thing. Like, but that's where my point is, is like, dude, now this guy has, I mean, he obviously has fucking dementia. Yeah. And he has, like, he's 93 years old. He's confined to a wheelchair. You are 20-some years old. You're an actress. Like, shut your fucking mouth. Like, he's an (laughs) old man. My grandpa was, like, 80 years old living in a a nursing home. He'd had had a stroke. And he was, like, half out, half in, half out. And he was always asking him to, like, give him fucking hand jobs and stuff. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, when is it an appropriate time to be, like, this dude's super old? Like, like, he's obviously, just gonna accept like, it. get a whole pop. We're just going to yeah. accept like, it. I, he can't, like, get out of his wheelchair yeah. and fucking rape me. Like, I get it. He's a former president. But that's just, like, well, and, 15 minutes of fame on you that You look bullshit. at the internet, and there's, like, five or six 80 to 90-year-old female couples that everybody on the internet's going crazy about because they're these nutty old ladies that say whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. Right. And it's funny. Yeah. But it's not funny when George Bush or somebody like that does. Again, like, at what point... When you're 80 years old to 100 years old, haven't you kind of earned a pass like, to to just say whatever the fuck you want and be you? yourself and isn't just there, enjoy life a, without any... I mean, yeah. it's not like George W. Bush is going to actually rape somebody. I think what the big break. issue is that it, it's, the, it's the talking point of... 
um, what are they, the, the institutionalized, you know, sexism. Right. It's the it's the thing so in, I think this is the argument that they're trying to hammer home by they, you know, the you know, the I guess the people out for justice. Um, well, I, I honestly see a correlation with this with the same of of, you know, these these mass shootings and stuff going on where people are doing it because for the specific piece of your name yeah. and your fame. Yeah. And it's become like, now it's become, oh, you want to, you want to, you want to get in the news? Tell, tell, yeah. tell everybody somebody sexually assaulted you. Like, I would say it goes both ways <laughs> because I, I, I'm, I'm not defending him, uh, HW or any, any perspective, but it's like, it goes both ways, man. Like, like as an employer, like employees have said inappropriate things to me. I mean, they've, they've all said the it time. all the fucking time. Right. So it's like, when is human behavior just like being a man, being a woman and being able to like make a joke and then being able to react to that joke and say, I don't like that. Okay. Well, that's the expectation from my perspective. That's the expectation for just like general humanity to be able to go. I don't like that. Yeah. But to say, but to not right say, there. but and to not right there. say anything and then just like say, here's your fucking lawsuit. Like who is the dude, the, was it Terry? The um, Terry Crews. Yeah, Terry Crews. That was like I was groped like five years ago by by a, a guy at a at a cocktail party. He never said anything to him, but according to him, he's got PTSD because he was groped by this fucking dude at a yeah. party. It's like, man, but isn't it the responsibility? Like, we have to take some form of responsibility for ourselves at some point to in say, the moment. Well, hey, that's... I don't like that because humans are humans, and we've been fucking since the like. The beginning of time. It is the basis of like why we're here. Yeah. Procreation is not going to stop. And just the <laughs> fact, like dudes and like anytime you've got women, men and women in the same place, things are going to be said and done that are inappropriate. Now, and it's really subjective to see if a person is actually leveraging a form of power yeah. in order to have some type of sexual exploitation. However, you could turn that around and say because this person is in my chain of command, right? And let's say it's male, female, we reverse it. And if she's making sexual advancements on the on a boss, like, does that put, she's actually got more power at that point. Well, yeah. Here's, because if yeah. you say it's inappropriate and you counsel her and or terminate her, you, you're you going to tee yourself up. You are going to tee yourself up for a litigation yeah. well, at that point. So who has the real power? And, that and that's – it was fun. Bert and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. At no time in history has life been this good. No. For, yeah. Especially in America. Communication, yeah. power, water, entertainment, food, right. entertainment. It's, we have – and, and, I'm, and uh, you know, people might get bent out of shape, but even – People on the lower end of the kind of financial spectrum, people who don't have a lot of money. Still got iPhones. They still have iPhones. <laughs> they still have cars. They still have the ability to get food somehow. Yeah, they're not yeah. farming. It's, you know, vaccinations. It's like, yeah, vaccine. I mean, Medicine. They, they have all that. And well, so I think what we're experiencing boredom on so many levels from the people who are having issue with everything, um, we're experiencing. Boredom. It's exactly it. It's people are bored and they need to be a victim. Well, to, that, to be put I, back in your point, which is like at the turn of the century, at let's say 1912, I think the the only billionaire in American history at that point was like uh, Rockefeller. Rockefeller. He, in, in what was it, 1912 roughly? Let's just say 1912. 
today, if you were to take a time machine back to 1912 and you were the poorest person in the world and you were to assume his position within, you know, as a billionaire within the society that, that he lived in, you would still have way a way better life here than you did in 1912. His, his wife died of pneumonia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or something life like that. Where it's like the life expectancy old, is like, 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 like you're yeah. going to die of tuberculosis. You're going to die of fucking like going to a hospital in 1912. Good fucking luck, yeah. motherfucker. But here's like, the thing. Is, like, <laughs> They'd hammer your brain. Like, I, yeah, think, I think we're going to just fucking give you a lobotomy and throw you in a fucking loony bin. <laughs> That's, it's like, uh, I just have a cold. I think I'm just, <laughs> no, Facebook I, my, has my, a no. huge fucking role to play in yes, this. Yes, 100%. Because what it's done is it's created this... Why don't I get attention? So you've 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 you see all these celebrities and everybody out there on Facebook that are you know they get they get all the attention and then it's like yeah but I'm on Facebook too why doesn't why yeah. doesn't people comment on my stuff why aren't they all interested yep. you know why did why did four years ago when I created the Facebook my Facebook page that I'd try and make my life look way cool yeah. to to my friend group and things like that and that's where this this breed yeah. of I, how do I get the attention on me? The, the, so the what's problem the fastest is way to do it? That there are genuine victims of abuse. Correct. Absolute, genuine, yes. irrefutable, have experienced some horrible things at the hands of people of power. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then there are some people who someone... Capitalizing on the situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody, nobody found Terry Crews naked running on a highway... Because he was kidnapped and put in a barn for three weeks and raped every day. Like, man, give me a break. A guy at a dinner party made a lewd comment to you. By the way, that guy was the head of entertainment for the largest talent agency in the world, WME, and he lost his – he got demoted. They allowed him to come back to work two days ago. Yep. He got demoted to the tune of millions and millions of dollars a year. No, I – yeah. And there's there's no – Evidence. No, that there's this zero. Ever, that's happened. Zero evidence, and yes. it, you know he never. That's t- insane to me. Never put his hands on the guy. Never did anything, and the guy can't. He has no argument back because right now everybody just is burning people yeah. at the stake. It's, this is a like, witch hunt. It's a witch hunt. Yeah, this is, is fucking and, Salem, and it's de- it devalues the actual the victims. genuine victims. The yeah. genuine victims of what what's happening, and that's what I was saying about Terry Crews a couple weeks ago. I'm like, this is a. This is devaluing everything that that yeah. real victims have suffered. It's like, dude, somebody bumped into you at a fucking cocktail party, like brushed into your dick. It's like, man, PTSD. are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. like w- I went to Sears school and had to do the fucking centipede with fucking a bunch of <laughs> naked dudes. <laughs> the guy put a fucking fire hose into us and called us a bunch of fucking homos. <laughs> you guys love when we want to suck your fucking each other's dicks. <laughs> you guys fucking gay ass motherfuckers. <laughs> I have slept just fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For years of my life. Well, and, and my Sears story, Cruise, I told you pussy. my, my, my Sears story, <laughs> I'm standing there and they had everybody in the classes behind me and they got me completely naked standing next to the people's yes. pond and they brought out a really attractive female and in she a made fun. fur coat. And she opened her fur coat up and was wearing a bikini on underneath. And it's like 10 degrees. Right. And I'm standing there and my dong is like maybe an inch <laughs> yeah. and a half. And she looks at me with a Russian accent and goes, oh, it looks like a penis only smaller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I started laughing and got tuned up a little bit. It's like, man, I, I'm fine. I started fine. laughing like, and got I, tuned up. That's the kind of thing that will ruin a guy's yeah. life that's forever. We need, we need and you like, and Evan and Terry Crews on a panel. Everybody Come tell on, your stories. It, yeah. It's kind of like, get the fuck over. It, man, like, Dude, are you I've kidding had, me? I've had execs say, like, jokingly, like, you know, 
out gay execs make lewd funny and we laugh yeah you know it's just like uh, you know i'm in a meeting the other day and a guy goes when are you gonna give me a butt baby yeah. like runs the network <laughs> i laugh my ass off it was funny it's funny like i'm um, to me it's anyway. legitimately funny and i don't know i the one thing though that i i did notice through this whole kind of situation is the the people that were protecting the people who were really bad. Yeah. That's yeah, not yeah. coming out. Yeah. You know, someone yeah. very close to me worked in a production with uh, Weinstein. Right. And they had to go to meetings with Weinstein. This person's a female. And in the emails, letting them know, hey, come to this meeting, um, there was specific details on please don't wear any short skirts. Please don't wear any low-cut shirts. Are you kidding me? Because the the staff were protecting these females who were working on his productions. So that was someone in his world going, hey, send, remind everyone not to do because we don't want them to become victims. <laughs> like, that to, me, insane, that to me that's is the fucked up stuff. Yeah, it's nuts. Like, super fucking so crazy. how many people knew about this? And he was genuinely kind of – he was genuinely a predator. Yeah. You know, I mean, that when someone around you is going, hey, don't dress like that around him because bad shit will happen, that's a problem. Yes. Now, if you're joking around at a party and a guy dick slaps you, listen, if someone does that to me and I don't like it, I'm going to go, don't fucking do that. We're fighting. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> lest, and lest we forget, Terry Crews is a very big man. Yeah. He is not little tiny, no. like tiny Tim, you know, in the school play. But according to just our society, it doesn't matter now, right? You could be, be a giant muscle bound dude and be sexually harassed by a five foot five Jewish agent. I just, and, <laughs> you know, I mean, because there's, you know, there's, there's no physical intimidation. Everybody's yeah. equal. Everybody's the same. This is like, everybody gets a participant trophy yeah. shit. This is what happens with a society yeah. that has, where everybody gets a fucking participant trophy. Now, what, are you are you guys going to be implementing you know as business owners the you know the three of you yeah. are you guys implementing a new kind of sop for you know yeah i don't already come have. to the office <laughs> no we, we we already have we we've already isolated ourselves like yeah. like we we isolate ourselves from the business we isolate yeah. ourselves from anybody other than the executives mm-hmm. and it'll continue to get worse because it's yeah. just you know one passing comment or one perception or one little one I mean, little yes, thing. A year and ago, then, it was exciting to know every person's name that works here and know things about them. And but yeah. now it's a different landscape. I don't. I don't want to know anything. Yeah. I yeah. don't. I don't want to. Yeah. And we. I say it. The stakes get the higher stakes every get high. day, and it's like, man, it's not worth. And at what and point, like you're saying, will this become truly debilitating for the growth of business? Correct. And that's and that and that's you'll I mean, see it. Hopefully by then so, we're just working off of VR proxies yeah. that are just avatars. Just and it's like no, that was that <laughs> Red, was not me. Ready Jet, play like one. Jet, Jetsons. I got a question for you, and you might be able to answer it, might not. But obviously your family's very well known. Mm-hmm. What do you guys have to do? We, I was watching a Curb Your Enthusiasm the other night, and they were talking about an NDA with with yeah with with. He was talking, making a joke about it with his girlfriend having an NDA that she can't talk about anything. And he said, well, every, you know, every nanny, every agent, every personal assistant in this city has that kind of stuff. How do you guys protect yourself when you have every single member of your family is, is extremely well known in, in your personal businesses? We, we, just that we have, we have NDAs that every, everyone that, that comes under, you know, my employment or my family's employment, they all sign this NDA. Um, and then on the production as well, there's, you know, NDAs, even from, you know, editors to anyone that has access to kind of intimate knowledge of the family, 
NDAs, though, don't cover abuse. Right. Yeah. So, you, I mean, even if they sign an NDA and you commit a crime or something like that, they can still, you know, they can still break it. I mean, I, maybe now there is going to be some kind of arbitration clause in an, in an NDA to where if you feel you were wronged, it has to be kept in, like, anonymous arbitration um, gotcha. or litigation or something like that. Uh, I could see that becoming a thing. But to my knowledge, um, you know, when genuine wrongdoings have occur, you know, do occur, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it kind of supersedes the NDA. So have you ever had to enforce one? An NDA? Yeah. Um, trying to think. I, uh... No, I don't no cuz people actually take it pretty seriously because right. if you break an NDA in Hollywood it's a it's That's career a over. Done. Yeah, like you you know you I've had to remind people remember you've signed an NDA and right. like you know what you hear here let it stay here. Right. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean for the most part people get it. It's it's understood like okay, you know what's the NDA look like? All right, it's fine. It's a, a two-pager. Great. Sign it done. Um, but do you guys, I'm sure you guys must, you know, uh, anybody that comes in the building. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. If you're coming head, through the, you, the, you, the head door, you have to sign, you sign three different things that say you could be on camera. Mm-hmm. You don't talk about what you hear here. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't had to force one yet. I mean, I've had to do the same thing, remind people and like, go like line by line. <laughs> Evan, what about your old job? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did. I signed NDAs over there. Like, tons of them actually. One every year, one every, felt, felt like every fucking 10 minutes. <laughs> now I just don't give a shit. Just like, well, hey, you guys yeah. got an exciting trip yeah. ahead of you. Yeah. We thank you for, uh, for joining us today. Yeah. Good talks. Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Osborne. Yeah. Bert hey, from can TV. I real quick, shameless plug for Jack. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of people don't realize that Jack's a reserve, a reserve uh, police officer. Um, I do because when I was trying to hang out with him last time, he was busy doing police stuff. Mm-hmm. It's true. Are you well, and I in the same reserve police uh, officer? Technically, yet? I am on the roster there, although yeah. I haven't actually done anything yet. I'm on an apartment right. in California. Oh, okay. Well, where I was going with that is that both Jack and his dad and his mom as well are huge supporters of law enforcement and and spending time around him. 100% some of the biggest supporters in the celebrity and in, in, in music and entertainment industry for veterans. So a huge shout out. Their show's on. I think this week you guys are actually going to the Muncie Police Department. Yep. You and your dad are, are doing some breaching and some, cool. awesome. you know, doing some actual CQB we'll and doing on some, that on some A&E, cool everybody. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So Wednesdays, anyway. 10 o'clock. Wednesdays, 10 o'clock. Cool. Thanks a lot, Bert. Thanks a lot, Jack. Thanks, guys. Fuck you, Jared. To Launch Code, a premier business podcast starring Evan Hafer, Matt Best, and Jared Taylor. Oh, we just clapped oh, in. Oh, shit, we're just clapping we just in. Clapped in. Okay, uh, super excited for Donnie Vincent. This was my favorite interview of last year. Um, 
He's like the most interesting man in the world. It's like talking to the most his... interesting man in the fucking world. It's awesome. I was rolling through his Instagram in front of him, creeping on him, and there's some really cool stuff going on over there, brother. It's a little bizarre to be sitting here with you guys and hearing you say that, so I know you're both full of shit. <laughs> no, dude, whatever. <laughs> like, it's no always... Way. So last year, we went down the rabbit hole on a cute... I think we split it into two episodes. Yep. Yeah, we split it into two episodes. Uh... I want to get an update. So what have you been doing for the last year? Uh, all the epic shit, because I know you do a ton of fucking epic shit. And if you don't follow Donnie, you've got to, you've got to follow him on Instagram. Uh, do you have a Twitter or anything? Do you do any of that stuff? Um, he does. Do, do Yeah. Sure. Okay. Sure. Well, how about, let's get, just because, I mean, I know Donnie, but I wasn't on the last episode. Give us like, you yeah. know, Give the, us the abbreviated couple minute um, backlog of what you do, who you um, are. R- really quick. Uh, born and raised in Connecticut. Uh, moved to Minnesota when I was in 10th grade and finished high school. Went to the University of Minnesota and uh, studied wildlife biology and regular biology. And uh, worked as a research biologist for a few years. Studied tigers in Bangladesh, uh, Pacific salmon, Alaska, and rough grouse in northern Minnesota. And then uh, from that, I just started. It's bizarre kind of how it started, but I was doing hunts on my own going up to the Arctic Circle and hunting, and, and then uh, people just started asking questions around in the hunting community, like, where are you going, what are you doing? And, and uh, I just started filming this stuff myself with a handicam. And so the few-minute answer is the more stuff that I just kept hunting and doing, the more people were asking about what I was up to. and Kind of build a brand behind it, too. Yeah, right? I mean, this, this was not a, a plan at all. Like, you know, I was, I was happy doing research and being in the field, and, and, um, and I've always... I don't come from a hunting family, but I've always been a hunter in my mind. Like, I don't even know how it began. I know that there's, uh, I, I have this book, I, I still have it in my office today, written by a, a, a professor, a literary professor out of Arizona named Jack O'Connor. He was a big-time hunter. And he had this book called The um, uh, Big Game of North America. And it was, it's a really cool, big book. My dad got it as a Christmas present, has a canvas cover, and when you open it up, it just basically goes over all the major species in North America. But there's a really cool painting at the front of every chapter. So it says doll sheep, and there's a really cool painting of a doll sheep. And so I just look at these paintings, and then I'd read the stories. And so before I even knew that I was making a cognizant decision of what I wanted to do, I just wanted to hunt. I didn't, I didn't think about the future or my future or my career or anything. I just wanted to be outside. And so biology gave me that that ability. And I... I I was an okay student, but not a great student in college. And so actually my hunting is, is what got me most of my jobs just because they, they needed somebody that they could send out in the jungle or send out in the wilderness for five, six months yeah. by themselves. Don't die. Come back with some research. Don't die. Yeah. Don't die and don't call us. And you're going to be by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and, good. And so that, that got me um, the, the, the door to be open. And then just through hunting, I met other hunters and I met guys that had TV shows and and those guys wanted some footage that I was shooting for their TV show, and here I am. Do you primarily bow hunt or rifle or bow? Like ninety nine percent. I killed. I've killed a moose with a muzzleloader. Whoa. Um, which was kind of cool. Like a modern muzzleloader or like full on like, like a ramrod? Modern, no, okay. a modern yeah. muzzleloader. Yeah, and it was still it was still a riot, but it yeah. was it was uh um it was fun. And then I I killed a sheep in Russia with a rifle because they wouldn't let me bring my bow. Okay. What? At that time, silent weapons 
were illegal in Russia. God. In Maserati. That what? Silence. That's, <laughs> that's what they call thing. Silent weapons. Yeah. Russia, Wouldn't that be a rules? bat too? Can't bring any bats. Yeah. But, hammers. Yeah. Hammers. That's yeah. weird. I think they're probably going after suppressors, right? And just a bow happens to fall under that yeah, category. Yeah. Pro- probably. Probably. Russians are crafty, man. You don't know well, what they can. They can do some weird stuff I, with things. Sure. I want to know what I've been doing, man, for the last the last year. I mean, I've, I watch your Instagram. So I know you've been all around. Like, where are you at right now? Where have you been? What have you been up to? Um, just hunting. I mean, we did this podcast the same time last year mm-hmm. and yeah. shot. And then um, just were uh, business stuff in the spring, working on a lot of client work through Sick Manta, our production mm-hmm. company. And then once August hits, you know, it's just in the tent. So between August 15th this year, I think I left. Uh, basically, it's August 15th through Christmas Eve. And just wow. basically, I think I counted this year just because I was curious, but I showered uh, five times between August 15th and, uh, November 15th. It's pretty much like Jared, our business partner, but, yeah, uh, he's same. not hunting. Do you, uh, do you just have like nine freezers full of meat at your house? I donate a lot of it, uh, to family and friends. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm in a, if I'm uh, super remote in the wilderness, I'll donate a lot of it to a, like a native community right. or whatever. There's always elders that have the inability to hunt anymore or they have something that they really enjoy eating. Like, uh, for one, one time I was in British Columbia and there was a little old lady, she loves stone sheep and I'd arrowed a stone sheep. And so I gave her all the stone sheep meat. That is phenomenal. Just Just freaking out. Oh, freaking out. And then, and then I did a goat hunt right afterwards and, and I killed my goat on the first day of the hunt. So I'd been gone probably four days, two days to hike in one day to kill the goat. Two days of hike out, so maybe four or five days, and she already had it gone. It was gone. <laughs> really? Yeah. The, just her charged her, through it? Yeah, her and her family just That's one of the things that's it. super rewarding you know, for me is, you know, I shot my elk this year in Utah, and, you know, like I got it processed and rolled by the office, and I gave everybody elk meat. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. And it's like there's just something really rewarding sharing that. It is. You know? mm-hmm. it's, well, one of the, it's one of the greatest aspects. Of you could probably speak thing. to it better than me, but that's I think a lot of people don't know when people go out and you know trophy hunt and do a lot of other things. It actually supports the local community monetarily quite often and then also by donations of the meat to the local tribes or the communities. And like they, they don't have the really the option to, to feed off that kind of meat. So Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... Um, a lot of give and take, you know, just traveling there. And, um, uh, I mean, there's definite economics that come into the, you know, through hotel stays, through buying tags, you're, you're contributing money to the state, things like that. But, um, you know, as a hunter, it's also like a lot of people have this misconception that, oh, you're just going to the Northwest territory. You just want to shoot a monster caribou or something like that. But I think way more guys that just have an extreme wherewithal, they just want to see the country. Right. Like I, I've had people kind of get down on me uh, sometimes saying, well, you know, our I, I, I enjoy learning about our ancestry. Right. And where we we all come from, basically a, an original 31 society of, of hunters and gatherers, 100 percent, 99 percent, 98 percent of people on Earth today have come from a hunting and gathering background. So um, there's a lot of hypocrisy right now and there's a lot of misinformation. And so people think that, you know, back in our ancestry, people would just hunt where they lived, right? We hunted and gathered. So you would just travel with your clan and that's where you would hunt. And this idea of traveling and hunting is um, gross and barbaric to people now, but really um, it's just an adaptation of time, right? We now have modern travel. We now have airplanes. And so it's, yes, our ancestors couldn't do it, but it's pretty cool that that we can go to the Arctic Circle and see the Arctic Circle and hunt as though we were from that clan or tribe. And then we can go to 
Nevada and we can go to Alaska and we can go to Iowa and we can try and see all these things. And that's far more than chasing um, a set of headgear or, or uh, hide or meat is just inserting yourself into that habitat, that culture of people, and then just engaging with it in, on all aspects, including bringing money to the community. I love that. Have, do you have like a, a running toll of how many, if how many animals in states that you've killed? Have you like logged up one in in no. all no fifty states? Um, no. Oh no, not even close. Not even close. But I end up. I tend to. Um, some guys do that. Some guys like chase everything, and they just want to. It's almost like. Um, almost becomes like a checklist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To them, and I'm. I'm. See more about the experience. Yeah, and I'm I'm repeatable. Like it, like doll sheep is one of my favorite things to hunt. So I'll you know I'll hunt doll sheep as many times before I you know before why like what just being in the mountains like waking up on the tippity top you know and just seeing the clouds and the rain and it's super physical to get there and so mm-hmm. it's just your legs are burning your shoulders hurt the packs are full it's extreme scary cold wet it's expensive and then like and there's guys that can afford the tag and can afford to do it with a guide but the bear there's two bears to entry to the sheep is one is can you afford it and then number two can you physically do it right because it's not like i'm gonna go sit in this stand and pop this deer like you know shooting hunting in texas or something like that but the sheep like you're i think what what, the minimum an an outfitter is what 21 days or 14 days no you can yeah yeah i mean you can do them for sure if if um you know in 10 days seven eight nine ten days but um and there's two ways to do and there's one is hiring an outfitter which is very expensive and the other one is drawing a tag and you can go and guide yourself so are you drawing tags is that no i'm i'm definitely paying um outfitters to where i'm going okay most of the places i'm going like alaska um i drew a tag in alaska a few years ago uh but still in alaska because it's so dangerous and they've had to rescue so many hunters that they force you to be guided when you're there so so alaska you have to have a guide for moose brown bear and the sheep for sheep goats and brown bears bears. not for moose moose you don't have a guide. moose black bears and caribou you can hunt on your own what would you say like the closest call whether it was an animal or environmental to like man this might be my uh my my check out of life here i've had several i've had oh yes i've had several where it's just like take a step back and just but um can you give a specific yeah one that comes to mind i was hunting doll sheep in alaska in a blizzard and I was going down this little tiny single track, muddy little chute, and there's this one aspect of there was a big huge flat rock that came out that you had to, it was too, too washed out to go underneath it, and it was too steep to go above it at all. So you had to go around it and just kind of your pecs would hug the edge of this rock while you used your abs to kind of just keep you in place. Right, so it's just baby steps, and just your abs are totally engaged the whole time, just swinging your torso around. Well, when I was going around it, I was just using the tips of my fingers on both sides of the boulder, just to like, just to, for a little added insurance, mm-hmm. and the whole rock broke free, and just slid like six <laughs> inches, like forcing me out on that ledge. So I was just sitting there like. <sighs> Just totally flexed, totally just waiting for everything to settle down. And then when it settled down, I just literally like a half inch at a time just, you know, got around it. But had it fallen, yeah, it was only like 60, 70 feet down, which only. would suck. <laughs> yeah. But then that rock would have been on literally you. on my head and chest right. when I hit. Yeah, it would have been soup ladle stuff. Oof. I'd still be there right now. <laughs> You'd still yeah. be there. Oh, yeah. My you, would been your, William, you would have been your the, the, the animals, your hunting's food. Yeah, yeah. William would have filmed it, stamped it, called right. it a career. 
that would have been that. Yeah. yeah. And then I've had a couple of bears, you know, that nothing that's touched me or anything, but they definitely a couple have gotten my attention, you know, been surrounded by a couple of packs of wolves, which sounds sensational and it is, but it's not scary in the least. It's just, if you watch it, if you experience it and you don't know anything about wolves, it can be really scary right. to have 10 wolves around you, but. Why isn't that scary? Because, I mean, were you not worried that the wolf pack would just start ripping yeah, you apart? Yeah, they're just not, they just don't do that. They, you know, you're they're not just, part of their, you're not part of the food source. Yeah, they just came more in curiosity. to check you out. I mean, they're definitely hunting you, for sure. I had a wolf biologist yell at me for saying that in a podcast, but. He, he yell at you for saying that they're not hunting or hunting you? For hunting me. Okay. And she's like, no, they're not. They were just checking you out. And they are. Totally, but the reason they're checking you out is they're looking at all yeah, available food, food sources. Yeah. yeah, and I knew they'd make the right decision, but when they're in and around you, like literally in, like we're in your hotel room right now, there'd be ten wolves in here, and they're just one. You know, there's three or four behind you, off to the side, out in front, and they're really cool. They're really good about posting up a wolf or two. So you're like, oh, there's wolves right there, and then like they're the, moving. The ones are behind you, in circling. On you. Yeah. yeah, but you just see it in their eyes. They know like. You can see they're measuring you up, you know, and they just like, yeah, let's get out of here. That doesn't sound like a fun death. Wolves go for like the butthole first. Um, <laughs> death by consumption, man. Yeah, man, that's rough. Yeah, and all I had was my bow, and so you, know, you know, I've had sows with cubs, things like that, but nothing. I, I've hunted Alaska twenty-five or twenty-six times, something like that, and I've I, only once I've brought a gun. Really? Right. Yeah. No, no sidearm protection. No, but I've started bringing a 12 gauge a few years ago because we had a run in with a sow with three three year old cubs at 20 yards, 30 yards, something like that. And I had What's the a crew, sow? a female grizzly bear, okay, with three three year olds. So her cubs are almost as big as she is. Oh, damn. And we bumped into them point blank and we knew they were there. They didn't know we were there, which is ultra dangerous because now I have to surprise her right you have so, to identify the fact that you're there right yep so i just said uh, you know hopefully she's a really good mom and they're very protective of their babies 100 yeah. percent. yeah so i just said hey bear and she did she was awesome she just saw me and just boom, took everybody and ran but had she come or had you been in between her and her cubs yeah game it, over right it'd be did you see the uh, the video of that guy who's back in bear country and pepper sprayed the bear but got chewed up real yeah. nasty? Do you know him? No. What? That's you know he had a sidearm with him. Sidearm? He did. Hmm. He had one with him. And he didn't want to shoot the bear, right? No, he couldn't get to it because it was on top of him. Oh, okay. And then so he got up. It came back a second time. Yeah. So you know, like a a, a bear, if it comes once. If it comes again, it's coming. It's not going to mock or bluff charge you. Like if it gets so after your ass one time and you escape and get away, and it's coming back, like it's, it's, it's coming. Kill mode. It's coming again. It's not going to bluff. Yeah, the, yeah. They they feel the need to eliminate the threat, so that's why they say play dead because you're not going to kill a grizzly mm. generally. And like everyone that I put faith into, everyone that I give street credit to, um, they none of. I don't know a single guy that carries a sidearm for bears. Like. What it about like uh, bear spray well. or do, they, do any of those guys that's carry spray? That's far more. Yeah. Yeah. That's either a large rifle. Why is rifle, that? Because. It's just not a very applicable weapon when it really is going to come mm -hmm. down to it. You, you're really not shooting the bear until it makes contact with you, until it's actually physically impacted your body. Mm -hmm. If you shoot them, you know, because oftentimes they'll stop at two, three yards. So you just kind of have to stay stand there and take it. Right. Just swallow that engagement and just hope he or she stops and um if they don't stop 
then you have reason to be defending your life or playing dead. And right. you should probably just play dead because unless you have a large, um, you know, 12 gauge slug gun or a large right. rifle, it's probably not going to go well for you, even with a sidearm. Mm-hmm. Even Makes if you sense. pulled your sidearm out, and I don't know anything about pistols, never even fired one actually, as which is kind of sad because I want a Kimber Custom 245. Yeah, they have the, like 15 uh, years I'll tell, ago I'll on tell an you auction. What, we, I'll trade you pistol training for bow training. Done. Okay, sweet. Stamp it. Um, but I want a Kimber 45 no, and so it still they, sits the, in my the Kimber The Camp basement. Guard, which is a 10 mil round, shoots 185 grain, and I think it hold eight, holds eight rounds. You've shot one that, in yeah. Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, I, unless somebody has the training like you guys have, um, the bear's probably going to rip your skull off before you kill let, it with a pistol. Ask, my, cousin, my, my cousin did grizzly bear research out of the University of Montana. for. He was part of the Genome Project. Sure. And I talked to a couple of his friends on that project, and they were all in the same, yeah. the same sheet. They're like... Spray is like the best deterrent, yep. the best thing that you could carry, just statistically, because you're, you're exactly right. Like most people don't have the training in order to put those rounds on target in a time of stress. I mean, you're in sensory overload at that point. So, you know, getting a high caliber pistol out while, you know, you're trying to defend your life against, you know, what, what's an average grizzly weigh 800 yeah, I mean, pounds. a brown bear is going to go at 800 to 1,000 pounds. Grizzly bear is going to be 450, 500, 6. So like, it's, humans it's, it's don't not scare a rational, me, but bears are terrifying. It's, it's not a rational <laughs> thing for people to think that they're going to be able to defend themselves with a pistol, but a spray puts a big cloud yeah. right, out. And, you know, I was talking to this chick. She was like 100 and nothing, like, you know, 110 or something like that. And she had, you know, dosed I don't know how many bears because she was – out looking for bears. That's what she did. And uh, it was actually really interesting to talk to them because obviously they're biologists and they're not there to hunt, mm-hmm. but they run into bears because that's what they're trying to do. Right. So, you know, talking to them, it changed my mind completely in that, where it's like if I'm, if I was in going in someplace that was bear country, I was like, fuck, I'm not going to worry about carrying a pistol. Pistol is a great deterrent for people. Yes. But not really for bears, right? It's, it's the, the, the Based on your knowledge of like ballistics charts and stuff, I mean, five hundred magnum. <laughs> go big or go home. <laughs> Sacrifice. That's a heavy gun. It's a big boy. I, I mean, a brown bear, or grizzly. Um, how much penetration do you think you're going to get on one of those things? I mean, with a pistol. I mean, but it, it. I mean, quite literally, if you're like you know an excellent marksman that's had you know years of training and you're 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 putting rounds on target with let's say like a 357 or something like that like you're going to get penetration because i mean it's a it's a supersonic projectile i mean i think it's what subsonic goes into like depending on the load but i mean you get a lot of lead moving at very high speeds and typically you're going to be within let's say 15 yards right so you're going to get a significant amount of penetration but like we've got to talk about velocity and movement so you have 800 pounds of animal moving towards you at x speed and with a significant amount i would imagine of hormones pushing through at that oh, yeah, point it's like crack okay uh, even if you get good, good ACP, penetration you, he's still got you, a minute you, you of mall to, time before he's going to even you think have about to that wound end its life yeah. and so even if you're putting something in its heart within 15 yards at a you know full full charge you've shot several animals like you're still going to have a certain amount of <laughs> a certain oh, yeah. amount of movement yeah. moving towards you and ultimately what i've also heard is it it's 
if you're not putting it in the eyes or the face, ultimately it's pissing it off. Like, yeah, like, oh, you I'm, really want to fight now, bastard. And this yeah. is hearsay. Uh, like, this is me talking to people because I was hyper interested in this, spending time in the backcountry. Like, hey, what do you guys think? Because I used to carry a fucking pistol. I used to carry a nine mil. And, uh, well, first of all, I mean, nine mil versus bear it's never gonna work well in your in your in your hands that's a different story like, it I is totally but i mean safe. i'm talking about putting headshots in a bear with a skull what's what's the skull thickness of a of a grizzly bear donnie oh i mean right between the eyes it's really thick you know it's yeah. probably i don't know at least you know not quite a half inch or whatever but it's going to be it's going to be dense there's been plenty of bullets mm -hmm. that have skipped off there you'll see in our new film we shoot a bear there at point blank range with a 338, and the bullet doesn't go through the skull. Really? When I shot a pig at yeah. point blank, wow. well, I, I shot a full pig at point blank range, like we were getting ready to harvest it out in the field, and um, and that's exactly what it did. The round glanced off its skull, and the fucking pig busted out of the pen, <laughs> and we were like popping rounds at it, <laughs> trying to shoot this fucking horror like it was, it was actually a really bad experience for this animal like it was a really bad experience because you had a bunch of people that didn't quite understand what to do once the round didn't go through its fucking head it's supposed and to be so dead. you're like but it's supposed to be a pig and this is supposed to work because it works in the movies right like no it didn't no, fucking work it, didn't. it really just pissed it off and that's the thing ultimately like with bears um yeah the, the variables are too great yeah right mm -hmm. there's too many and like with you don't want to shoot a, a bear unless it's called defense of life and property. Really, you don't want to shoot a bear unless it's touching you. It, right. There's going to be a full-scale investigation, and um, hopefully you killed it for the right reason other than just being fearful. Fear. And with, with pepper spray, like that bear comes and stops at five yards, you can dump that can of pepper spray into his face, and you know you don't have to call the troopers or anything like that other than to alarm them that there might be a bear in the area that's upset. But, yeah, it's just far more than anything it's being a good woodsman knowing where you are knowing the animals and hoping for uh the animals continuing to make really good decisions not hoping but you, you get what i'm saying like it's up to them to make part of the decision too and so um i've always had really good luck even after bears i had a grizzly bear in the arctic a few years ago um he just happened to be walking right at my tent i was just like oh man here we go like he's just lumbering up the trail so he's coming right at us coming right at me i was by myself so I stood up and I'm like, hey, bear. And he pops up on his rear feet, looks at me, drops down, and just starts coming triple time. Now, he's not coming to kill me, but I piqued his interest. Yeah. I yeah, I don't know if he's hungry, grumpy because he's hungry, but I piqued his interest. So, And I, the thing I was most afraid of is I didn't have the wind. So the wind was blowing from my left to right, and he's running straight at me. Oh, so he couldn't smell you? No. So I ran at him. But I ran at him, Jesus. you know, at a slight angle because right. I wanted to get distance between me and the bear, but I wanted him to get my wind. And so basically I sprinted at him and just curved off to the side because I had to cover ground as fast as I could towards him while inching away from him off to the side, flanking him. And once he got my wind, he, I mean, that dude turned inside out. He just I mean, like, spun around and took oh, him the other way? Rear legs in front of the front legs, just absolutely digging deep and... Every, I mean, the dude just ran as far as I could see in the horizon. I could still see him running, terrified for his life. And he was probably 450, 500-pound boar. Right. Yeah. Could kill me <laughs> easily. But just that human scent, you know, that's our – that's a, a big deterrent for them. Now, I have heard some horror stories from friends of mine where they bump into a bear and the bear just comes. Just – I had one happen in Alaska this year. They – uh 
I won't say names or the situation, but uh, it was first night in camp there hunting brown bears. And the head guide went down to get water and just this bear popped in across the river from him and just freaking came. And he they shot the bear as it was going to pounce on top of him. Wow. And it was a young boar. That's oftentimes what it is. They yeah, get they kicked away experience. from their mom. Yeah. They don't have the experience. Like these big, giant, 10-foot, scary, they have so much confidence. And, and they're so aware of their surroundings. That's not really your guy. But it's these adolescent bears that are. Was the guide okay? Guide was okay. Bear was dead. Right. Which is. 99% of the time, what happens? You'll, you'll hear about bear fatalities, you know, killing people, stuff like that. But How many bear deaths are there a year in, like, in the United States, you know? Tons. Um, I don't know, but I would guess like between black bears and grizzly bears are illegal to hunt in the lower 48 right now. Um, you, mean, you mean bears killing people? Yeah. Oh, one or two. Oh, okay. One or two. Yeah, there's, a, there's a couple attacks every year. And yeah, 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 yeah. Deaths are very, very rare. Yeah, bears. Oftentimes, you'll you hear about people being scalped, mm-hmm. and yeah. like you saw a video from that guy, yeah. right? So what the, a lot of times the bears are trying to do is they're trying to grab your skull and just kind of pop, pop it yeah. and kill you. But our skulls are too big, so their teeth just drag up on either sides and they scalp you. Yeah, like D glove. Yeah, that's why you hear about a lot of it's, guys getting scalped. They my, really don't want to kill you. Yeah, the, the, I had a, I still do. I had a place up in uh, Colorado, up behind Boulder, and there were, there. Were, Two bears that were like, I was intimately familiar with them. Like, sure. I would be packing, getting ready for a trip, and my I'd have the front door to my house open, have my bags out on the porch, you know, pulling everything and getting ready for you know to go overseas. So it's like a lot of shit that you got to pack and you're organizing everything. And I turn around, and he'd be sitting on my fucking deck, like just watching me do what <laughs> I do, you know. But I got really not like you know I, I get super intimately familiar with them i knew exactly which bear was who knew like their demeanor whether or not they were going to just like stay around or whether or not they're going to jet i woke up one night and i mean i had to like buckle everything down i mean any scent of anything like these dudes are digging through anything to oh find yeah anything. food like, they're scavengers yeah and uh i heard my shocks on my truck and what i'd done is i'd taken a bunch of trash and put it in the back of my truck and like shut the the canopy and stuff and i heard the shocks in my truck and i was like and i'm like what the what the fuck so i get out my flashlight and this bear is in the back of my truck like bouncing up and down on the uh on the tailgate like going like he's got his like paws up there trying to get up there and uh and i was like hey get out of here you know and like took off right but it was funny because my wife at the time you could have just asked i would have opened up the food for you you know yeah my wife at the time, she was like so freaked out about the bears. It's like, man, these these dudes are like, they would never classify them whatsoever as my friend. I just knew, like, hey, I know these guys. Yeah. Like, they're they're just looking for trash. They're yeah. just looking for things to eat, or they're looking to just like look at you and see what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. For whatever reason, they just wanted to like watch. So yeah. I'd be out doing you know maintenance in the in my creek in the front yard and. You know, you'd look up and there'd be some asshole sitting there like watching you like you're more interesting than, you know, him doing something. Hey there, Evan, how's it going? Yeah, yeah. that's no. exactly it. But it it's funny because last year when we went to Yellowstone, we went fishing. Uh, Jay and I had hiked like quite a ways back into some epic streams back there. And there was fucking scat everywhere. And that night uh, we heard this. And it had to be a bear because he's fucking playing in the or doing something fishing. in the creek. Yeah, probably fishing. Like, whoosh, you yeah. hear him like 
plunge and come out and plunge and come out. Yeah. And you're like He's right fishing. next yeah. to the creek and you're just going, God damn it. Just don't come up here. I just want to go to sleep. I don't, I don't want to, oh, yeah. I don't want you to come up yeah. here. And, uh, but it, it was, it was, it was actually, it was definitely unnerving. Like it's definitely unnerving. I can't imagine like you spend so much time in the, in the field. You're probably what much more comfortable yeah, in, in certain situations, I mean, there's definitely nights that get long, right? Yeah. There's definitely, but I've had, yeah, it's, it, it can get unnerving. I had a bear um, in Alaska a few years ago on a river called the, um, the Kayakuk. I had a bear, I was so tired, I had a bear tear a hole in our tent. And uh, this was, uh, I was hunting with a couple of buddies of mine that liked to kind of live it up a little bit. And so they had high high um high top cots and Whoa. the bear tore a hole in the side of the tent and came in and was standing on my cot what? and i didn't even wake up are you serious yeah really and then, yeah and then one of my buddies ended up he wakes me up and he's like hey there's a bear and i said dude there's not a bear and he's like no there's a bear and i said it's it's never a bear i've been you know i can't even tell you how many nights the person i'm with has woke me up and said dude there's a bear and i just say there's no bear just go back to sleep He's like, no, there's a bear. And I kept arguing with him. He grabbed our other friend's pistol, went out the front of the tent, and shot the bear dead. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah, it wasn't a big bear, but it was like a 200-pound black bear. But yes, and then in the morning, we didn't know it was on my cot that night, but in the morning, I had muddy paw prints on my sleeping bag. But I didn't even wake up. And I'll guarantee you, he tore a hole in the tent, probably stuck his head in, crawled in, looking for food, right. and was like, Shit. There's people in here. Yeah. Oops. No yep. food in here. And he got out. And the funniest thing was we were filming and um, he pooped in all of our camera cases, which was pretty funny. <laughs> That's awesome. He opened up the Pelican cases, ripped the foam out and pooped He's in probably it. like, no food in there. Here's some poop for you, brother. Yeah. It, was, it was awesome. <laughs> what Not, a none, dick of the bear. Cases, none of the cases were mine, but it looked like little mounds of raspberry jam or blueberry jam in each one. Yeah. What, what would you say like the, the most beautiful or rewarding place that you've been able to hunt in as far as just maybe environmentally or, um, the Arctic circle for sure. Really? Yep. Why? I just, it's so wide open and, um, you know, you have massive, massive bull moose and massive herds of caribou. And that's one of the, one of the coolest things to see it's just caribou migrating, right? You're just sitting up there and there's you see all these different rock formations from where the natives used to hunt and just watching the caribou come through and the moose and grizzly bears and wolves, like sitting at night, you know, you're sitting in your camp at night, sun is just set, Northern lights are coming out, wolves are howling, you know, it's just incredible, really incredible. That's phenomenal. You know, how do you do it, man? Like, how do you balance what you're doing for a profession and your home life? Like being gone a lot has to like, pay a toll yep you know how are you balancing that it's hard it's hard to just visualize you know your family and friends at home and and um sometimes it's really hard because this has become a job right. and i don't mean that in a negative sense a lot of guys warned me a lot of my friends warned me when i first started doing this like don't don't do this you're going to start to hate hunting mm. um, because they had had friends that had tv shows that just started the current tv shows that absolutely hate hunting but it's now their job and um, I never wanted to go down that road. That's why I just wanted to make films how I wanted to make them. And um, But sometimes when it's not going well, uh, like I'm just not finding the animals or the animal that I'm looking for and we're putting in major miles and we're dehydrated and we're hungry and then, you know, your family's at home. And, um, yeah, some there's some long nights in the teepee. 
right. long nights. Yeah, and and sometimes it's like you start feeling those long nights five, six, seven, eight days into a thirty day trip. Right, and there's no no getting out. You know, there's no calling it early. There's no no right. one coming to get right. you. You're there. <laughs> You're there. Yeah, that's 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 that. And so, uh, but it's a balance for sure. And you have to have confidence in in your family at home and have you know you, you'll see your friends when you see them, but. And I'm not complaining by any stretch of the imagination, but a lot of people come up to me and say, oh man, you have the dream job. And I do absolutely love what I do. But um, if they had any idea at all uh, what it takes, it's not going hunting with your buddies. It's right. not going fishing with your buddies. It's not, hey, let's go into the back country and caribou hunt. You go that way, I'll go this way. If we're successful, great. If we're not, great. We'll grab a beer at the airport on the way home. And this has been an awesome, you know, it's it's almost that cool, but um, but yeah, you're applying business to it, so the expectation is success. And if you don't find success, then that's that's your livelihood as far as yeah. you know the creation of content around yeah. the hunt and everything. And then so. creating good content, right? Like the guys that I work with, my team, they're stupidly talented. Yeah. I would not be anywhere without them, and I far more than just me by myself like just having the musicians that we work with the um, photographers that we work with the editors it's I, I say editors musicians and photographers there's one of each um, we're basically a crew of four and but these guys just bleed for this stuff like our, our new film I was just watching it yesterday um, stuff that we're editing together and it's just it's so stupid good but what people don't understand though about the hunting is they're seeing the finished product. I own every film Donnie's ever done on DVD. Right. Because that's the only way you can do it is you buy a freaking DVD. <laughs> no, we stream now. We Thank do stream now. God. Welcome to yeah. the 2000s. Um, but they're, they're seeing the finished product and having dabbled and done some filming in the hunting space, hunting by yourself is one thing and it is amazing and it's a wonderful experience. The ability to share what you've experienced is another true gift. What people don't understand is how much harder it is to hunt with a camera guy. It takes it to a whole different level. Because if the animal and the stuff's not framed up correctly, and the story's not being told correctly, and you don't have just one stand now, you got to have two or three stands hung up. you got to find, it's, if you get a trio, that'd be perfect right there, but shit, where are we going to put the camera guy? So the, 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 the degree of difficulty, it's exponentially increased when you have a crew out there in the woods. So it's not just one guy putting off scent. Now you got four, two, three guys putting off scent. So that's what people don't see and what they don't understand. And if it's not, if it, I view Donnie as a hunter. Donnie's also an artist, in my opinion, what he puts out. But it is so complicated, and it can for a guy like me, it takes away from it. You know, because I'm not delivering art like you are. I'm uh, just trying to do something cool. There's no question. It, it definitely muddies the water, but. Um, Two dudes, you know, three dudes tromping through the woods, man. Yeah, Camera gear, I, all that I, stuff. I, I'm odd. The reason this works, this is my opinion. People ask me all the time, like, how, how are you able to do this for a job? Like, you know, a lot of guys do this with TV shows and they're pushing sponsors and they're backed by big companies and, and I don't do that. And, and so they kind of, but they ask how that's possible. And really the, the, the notion that I fall back on is that I'm a hunter, right? That I'm a storyteller. These are things like I, I'm not doing this um, because I think it's cool or I think it's interesting. If I was a billionaire or flat broke, I'd be doing this exact same thing. I'd still be finding my way to the Arctic. I'd still be arrowing caribou, and I'd still be sitting down to tell somebody either that wasn't with me, wanted to go, or just wanted to lend me their ear. I'd still be telling them all the um, 
details and, and the emotions I was going through and the cool things that I saw. And it's, it's how I started and it's, it's why uh, I think it, it relates to people. It's because I, I suffer for this in a sincere fashion. Before we wrap up, I have one final question. What, what's your guilty pleasure? There's no way you don't bring like an iPod or your favorite book or something and spend 30 days out in the wilderness. <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, there's two. One are just shitty magazines like Maxim. <laughs> <laughs> This is a good one. I would, not, I would not have guessed that. I would not have guessed that. I was going to think yeah. something like some type of strange aromatic candle or some <laughs> no. shit like that. And the other one is candy. Really? Ah, I candy. knew there was going to be a food of some sort. Yeah, what Laffy Taffy <laughs> um, and Starburst. Right. Yeah, we bring Starburst on every single trip. It started is that just out. your hike in where you just start chewing, get a little sugar in your body? Yeah. And, and, to... and it started out, we were in Alaska several years ago and we flew in a friend of mine who's a biologist there. She just, we were. She was flying surveys in a helicopter one day and just asked. We had just finished a sheep hunt. She said, hey, do you and the crew want to go with me in the helicopter and we'll go fly surveys? And so we did. And the first camp we flew into were these two <laughs> pudgy little junior biologists were working there. And they had a huge 41-ounce bag of Starburst. Because <laughs> in Alaska, you buy everything in bulk. Right. And we just piss pounded that bag of Starburst. <laughs> and they were super upset when they came back from their helicopter ride. So now we buy a 41-ounce bag of Starburst at Walmart before we let go me, to retail. Let me ask this question. And we pack it in. Matt and Evan, what were your guilty pleasures on deployment? I'm assuming coffee. Mm. <laughs> Did you drink coffee, Evan? I drank a lot I'm of coffee, kidding. yeah. I carried coffee. I didn't have a guilty pleasure, really. I mean, I I, I had a... You can say I carried a, a Thoreau in uh, my right pocket for nine years. So that wasn't a guilty pleasure. It became more of like a constant reminder as far as like uh, where I wanted to be and the type of life that I wanted. Um, and I had outlined it and made fucking notes in every page. Um, Thoreau. And, uh, uh, Walden. Yeah. Oh, I thought and, you meant uh, like a throw blanket. Um, what? So I wasn't, it wasn't that. It was just more like, hey, you know, and I, I knew I was only here for either – uh, forever <laughs> in the context of I wasn't going back or I was going back to something that, uh, you know, a place that I really wanted to be. Um, it wasn't a guilty pleasure. I didn't really have any, like we, we pretty much like when you work for the, you know, the, the agency at that point, like you fucking order a pallet of Snickers if you wanted it. It didn't really matter. I mean, the gluttony of the United States government at certain points is just kind of unreal. Like, like what oh, about okay. you? You had some. I know you did. No, mine's music, man. That's always been my yeah. therapy. So I usually find one song and I'll listen to it on repeat, even like in the set of Range 15 and stuff. I would just one song, listen to that every day. It really gets my mind straight where I don't even really focus on the music. It's just kind of like a closes out reality so I can just focus on internalize everything. What and type of music? Super dependent. I mean, anywhere, every genre. Like death metal or like John Mayer. I mean, definitely not John Mayer. Um, I prefer penis not in my mouth. <laughs> I do. I do have. I do have two more questions, which are yeah. super easy, man. Like, uh, out of everything that you've shot, what do you enjoy eating? Like, what, what's like your favorite meat? If you're, you know, whether you're blending it with other or whatever yep. it is. Um, can I give you two answers? Please, yeah. First one is moose, elk, doll sheep. They're all slightly different but fantastically splendid uh the second answer is um black bear meat is fantastic as is grizzly bear meat and a bunch of hunters are about i'll probably get a hundred emails about this mm -hmm. but hunters um by and large often leave bear meat behind they literally go and kill bears 
just for the hide, which is it's one of the only species opinion, where you don't have to take meat with you. It's mm-hmm. yep, and it's one of the biggest reasons I think that um, grizzly bear hunting was just shut down in BC is because um, the people in BC were making an emotional decision. The right. the uh, environmentalists that live in Vancouver, a very small group of people, were making a decision for a very large province and a huge population of wild animals. So everything I've ever killed has been really fantastic to eat. The ungulates are, you know, the elk and deer are, are really fantastic, but... Do you, um, do you have any bear meat? Because I've only had bear meat in stores and, and purchasing it from a market. I've never yep. had, like, a friend kill some and give yep. some. The problem with the some. bear meat is trichinosis. So yeah, that's okay. Though. I mean, parasites. Parasites, which yeah. will... No big deal. Not good, but you have to... I think you have to you get the live. internal temperature to 160 for three minutes yeah. to kill it. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, done and done. He probably worms has worms. trichinosis. Yeah. My, so my great uncle, he would hunt, like, he hunted every day, died at like 87 years old. He was Rad. a Boone and Crockett. Wicked. And he had like, he had Walker, uh, what was it, Walker, Tennessee hounds. So oh, he, yeah. was, he was a, Tennessee he was Walkers. a fantastic, uh, cougar and bear hunter. Yep. He would fly in his little Piper super cub out in the middle of nowhere with one hound, dump it down somewhere, put it on a track. And he had just the most epic fucking adventure stories on the planet. But he ate, Everything. Like everything. Yeah. And that's if he didn't, be. he would grind it up and he would turn it into dog food. And that's fine. And, yeah. you know, but he was adamant. Even at 87, you know, he was like, you eat what you kill. Absolutely. And you, you don't leave anything back. Like, you can use it all. I got and an argument with a, a buddy of mine last year. Uh, we were in BC and I'd killed this big black bear and um, we we cleaned it out. And, and after I had brought the bear meat to a processor to store before we were flying home, he's like, are you really going to eat that? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he's like, ah, it's not edible. It's disgusting. They eat rotten fish and all these things. He's going on. And I go, so, and I was coming up the next year. So I said, just in case we don't kill a bear, before I get up here with one of your prior clients, I want you to save me bear meat from the nastiest bear that you kill. The nastiest bear you can find. And they had killed a boar that he knew was somewhere around 15, 16, 17 years old. The thing was nasty. They scun it out. The meat, the, the fat was yellow. It was slimy. It stunk. It had been eating fish? Fish bear? Yeah. Yeah, it had been living on fish. And so uh, I got there, and he's like, here you go. He kept it in the cooler. He's like, here you go. Gave it to me this hindquarter in a, in a uh, garbage bag. We cooked it that night for everyone at the lodge, and uh, they just hammered it, man. Really? Just hammered it. I mean, and there is not, not that this is I'm, – I'm not making a distinction here, but there's probably a half a dozen really pretty girls there, and they just were like dogs hammering this stuff seconds thirds just like <laughs> pounding it so yeah, what kind of meat is like, this you're like it's 70 year old bear yeah. so then so then he started coming up with all of these um he's like well because what we did we, we we made a roast and then we seared a bunch of it in a pan so he's like well you you know you seared it in butter and then you put it in stock and you made this great stock and then you let it simmer for like five hours and your like, point well, is, and don't blame the bear if you suck <laughs> at cooking. Yeah, yeah it's well, not that's, that's my next question, which is like, man, are you? Do you do you consider yourself a guy that like loves to cook? Do you yes. cook a lot? Yeah, I'm not not a chef. Not nowhere near like somebody that is talented in. But yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. love it. Like, it's just so rewarding. Like Baker said earlier, with giving it away. Also making it for your friends. Right. You know, like when I killed that big deer in North Dakota several years ago from the Rivers Divide, Steve, 
like you know the final package of Steve or four packages we made chili, so we had a little eating Steve Dude, party. I think it's awesome because I love cooking for like friends and family come yeah. over. It's one of my favorite things to do. But then it's even better when I've killed the animal oh, yeah. and then you harvest it, processed oh, yeah. it, and then here here's the sausages or whatever or steak that yeah. I cooked. But I killed it. It's, yeah. it's super rewarding. And, and all of this is under such under fire right now, and it yeah. just blows my mind because. 13,000 or 15,000 years ago, agriculture was invented. And when it was invented, we stopped wandering around. And when we stopped wandering around, we can now afford to have more than one child. So we started raising bigger families. And this perpetuation of overpopulation and storing our excrement in one location started. And once that clock started, We've never been able to look back. Right. But all these people now in New York City and L.A. and all around the world that don't understand what we do think it's so foreign and so barbaric, yet it's their very beginning. And it's only through laziness, complacency, and someone else doing the killing for them that they're able to sustain their life. And so they have no problems waltzing down to Starbucks and getting something. And even people that claim to be vegetarians or vegans, I got news for you. Hundreds, millions, thousands of acres of land are being turned over so you can grow your crop. Right. Tons of uh, fertilizers and phosphorus are dumped into the land, which find their way to the sea and create these huge hypoxic dead zones. I mean, there's nothing that comes without a footprint. Nothing. And so it's just... And that's interesting because like the Sumerians, right, when we look at Mesopotamia mm-hmm. and literally like an entire uh, what's called organized civilization and the reason of its demise was because of what you just explained. So when I hear and I've, I've talked to vegans and vegetarians, it's like you guys are, are you know, dismantling our, our ecosystem by harvesting animals or being meat eaters. And it's like, hey, you, do you guys understand that like entire civilizations were destroyed because of crop non-crop rotations and then over basically was it was it was like salination or something over like grazing that and stuff yeah. like that. and it's just destroying of soils and, yeah. and it's just as detrimental it's the gluttony and the yeah. growth in the gluttony that is actually perpetrating that so that's right it it, it and it's funny because when you said that it, like it's such an interesting perspective because people they're saying you guys are fucking barbarians by doing this it's like, yeah, but ultimately, if you're going to call me a barbarian, like the Neanderthals were, were, were fairly advanced, specifically related to any other. <laughs> if we want to go and have that yeah. argument, yeah. <laughs> you could say, well, I'll take that as a compliment, I suppose, yeah. right? And, and, and that's what it is. It's just, uh, it's just people that have misinformation in their, and they're resting their laurels on things that, you know, they've, they, they have this idealization of what's going on mm-hmm. in the world and they think that they are living their life and... And it's, they just don't have an influence from somebody that has a positivity with, with the outdoors and is engaging and contributing. And uh, really, the only way that we're going to save anything is to, well, really, the only way is to knock down the human population by a couple of billion. But we know that's not going to happen yet. You know, something's going to have to do that for us. But um, until that happens, like, the more we can engage with the wild, the more we can you know restore habitat and conserve and engage with these animals and give back, that's that's... And same with agriculture. It's the same thing, like supporting sustainable practices, supporting responsible farming, ranching, and all these things. It's like trying to make better decisions 
even if it's, it's a, a small it's a balance in, in any balance that that is required within society amongst humans and business and sports or whatever it's also required within wildlife and nature and you know if you, if you try to eradicate like so we, we spent i don't know how much money trying to eradicate wolves at one point you know or yeah. buffaloes and stuff like yeah. that and if you look at how fragile the ecosystem is and you know the hierarchy of species and whatnot when you start manipulating one it affects everything and a lot of people don't realize that and they just spout off stuff and it's like i know more about deer and turkey and ducks and waterfowl than any anti-hunter i've ever met in my entire life strictly because i've spent so much time out outdoors pursuing them you know and i feel like i have an intimate relationship with those species Versus seeing something I don't know anything about on social media and be like, oh, this is you barbaric, savage bastard. I can't believe you do this. It's like, well, you're eating tofu. Tofu, you say it comes oh. from soy. There is so little. A soybean and the end product of tofu, they have virtually nothing in common. Yeah. It's a white well, square. For all the, uh, the actual people that eat meat, where can they, uh, where can they find you on social, um, some of the movies and TV what? that you've done? One more. Sorry. Yeah, yeah one more. Sorry. So this year, man, what do you got? Like, what do you, what kind of epic shit do you have planned for this year? Um, you mean hunting or film-wise? Any Anything. So we're, we're finishing up uh, a big film project right now. Uh, the film will be launched in February, maybe early March, something like that. And I was, I was just working on it yesterday, and it's... it's uh, it's really sick, and I think it's going to be. Uh, it asks a lot of big questions, and and um, it's a little bit uncomfortable, and there's some contention in it. So I'm, I'm excited for people, hunters and non-hunters, to watch it. Uh, and then I have another film that will be coming out later in the year. But as far as filming goes, um, I'm actually going on, uh, and I have questions about this myself. I'm actually hunting mountain lions for the first time mm. in British Columbia in a couple of weeks. And I've never had any desire at all to hunt mountain lions uh, just because they do run them with mm-hmm. dogs, tree them, and shoot them. And so it's never been something that I've wanted to experience. However, I want to go and film. And I don't know if that I'm going to kill one, but I want to go and film the relationship between the hounds and the cat. Yeah. I want to film it kind of in the regard of, mm-hmm. um, dare I say, like Walt Disney's Fox and the Hound. Like yeah. that, their relationship and keep, kind of keeping the hunter out of it. So I'm going there to uh, talk with some biologists in B.C., go and uh, run cats, see cats, just kind of experience the whole thing and, and educate myself on what their populations are, what damage they're doing on wild game and and, uh, and domestic game, and then also uh, to just speak with a couple of houndsmen. Uh, I'll be spending the majority of July in Australia uh, in the uh, Northern Territory just uh, filming. I have a really beautiful piece that we've been constructing from a from a hunt that we did there with some Aboriginal guys um, hunting Asiatic water buffalo. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to go back and um, live with the black fellas, they call them, live with the black fellas a little bit and, and the Aboriginals and just uh, hunt with them and, and kill with them and feast with them and just uh, film their culture and just immerse myself in it a little bit uh, for a project. And then um, next fall just have some uh, some hunts that I'm bebopping here and there in the mountains, and and I try to I'll try to slip away and do some stuff with without the camera as well. Nice, yeah. Try to get some time in the mountains. Well, <clears throat> now going back to Matt. So where where can people find you? Oh, so Donnie Vincent on Facebook. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's basically all you have to search, and then Instagram too. Yeah. And then um, your website is it DonnieVincent.com. Oh, well, that's yeah, pretty easy. D-O-N-N-I-E. I'm going to follow you I on ordered. Instagram after looking at it because it looks like a really cool page. So. I appreciate it. I, I ordered. I, I got a couple Donnie Vincent shirts. I, I do got, too. Uh, videos, like you know, I've, I've got even the. 
I, I don't know what you call that. It's not like it's a picture, but it's on a on a on a piece of metal. Yeah, it's uh, just print uh, on just ten. a print, just yeah, a print yeah. on, on yeah. printed on metal. It's in my office. Yeah, yeah. oh, it's that yeah. badass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right on. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, we and we have some other stuff that um, along those lines that's coming out this year, and we're doing. Uh, I'm doing a giveaway in uh, another couple of weeks um, where I'm going to give away. We did a short video for National Geographic called "Who We Are." Why, nice. Why I lay out, you know, why I hunt, and so I'm going to give away the bow that I used in that um, film, and then I'm going to give away basically like my whole gear kit my but brand new stuff my tp my stove that's awesome uh then custom knife i there's a custom knife builder out of florida named david maple he'll murder me for mentioning his name (laughs) on this but uh if you guys uh, i don't know if you guys are knife guys but yeah this dude's knives are and i'm not talking about works of art i'm talking about so stupidly sharp and they say stay so stupidly sharp it is like you touch a deer with it and it just opens them up like a zipper. It is unbelievable. He handcrafts each one, beats it out of red hot steel. And it, he used to be a farrier for horses. Oh, wow. And he can't do that anymore because it broke his body down. So now he basically uses those techniques to make knives. So I'm going to give away one of his knives. Um, I do a lot of work with Otterbox. I'm going to give away some of their new adventure coolers. Um, even though I don't work with Sika Gear, um, I have a lot of friends that are at Sika Gear. And oh. so they sent me... Uh, essentially like five or six thousand dollars in Sitka clothing because they you know they don't want the dude to be naked so I'll send that stuff off and and uh, you know a few other things but I'm basically going to give away this huge kit so awesome um, awesome. to one dude so yes but that's what we got going on fucking awesome man like I appreciate you guys favorite favorite interview you know (laughs) I could sit here and talk to Donnie for like two hours and just like pick his brain but uh we gotta we gotta move on we got another we got our interview like waiting ready to go so thanks a lot man thanks thanks, 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 thank you appreciate it